episode 318 um, of season, was it six? Yes, uh, season six of the Medieval Podcast. <laughs> My name's Mike. His name's Matt. My name's Matt. His name's Mike. Wow, that felt weird. Uh, yes, welcome back. Uh, we are happy to have a jumbo-packed size episode for you this week. Just imagine a giant, we are a giant Kirby, and the, uh, the, the week's media news is under our mouth. We're not quite eating the whole thing of it. We're just, like, kind of overlapped over it. We are eating the media boat itself. Yeah, we are the mouthful mode of media news. <laughs> Oh, that is going to be so hilarious when we get there, because it's going to come up real fast here in a bit. But, uh, so, if you've been paying attention, and I have. one, welcome. If you're new to the podcast, two, welcome. Um, if this is your returning listening to this podcast, mm-hmm. welcome. Wow. You found us. Um, we're the only media boat podcast. We're going to jump right in, because this is a jam-packed episode yes. with news, and thoughts, and thoughts, and nominations, Thoughts and news, and we'll get there. So let's jump right into it with the music, and we start the music with the billboard, and we start the billboard with the Hot 100. And here's where we go quiet. Yeah, because we don't talk about Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno. Is your number one song Mm -hmm. still still Still. rollover um, from the Encanto soundtrack? We don't talk about it, but it's everywhere. And number two, Easy on Me by Adele. Still. At three, Heat Waves by Glass Animal. Still. At number four, The Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber. Still. And rounding up your top five, Super Gremlin by Kodak Black. If all that sounds familiar, it did not move a single inch from last week. People listen to what they're listening to. <laughs> until uh, until next week when uh, tomorrow's Super Bowl halftime show uh, shoots up all of the Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre songs to the top of the list. Yes, I think uh, Mary J. Blige also has a new song out. That's true, she has a record out. Yep. Anyway. Just to coincide with it, but we'll get to that in a bit here. What do you know? Um, we also have the Billboard 200 charts, your album chart. Mm-hmm. At number one, Encanto by various artists. Yeah. At two, Dawn FM by The Weeknd. Moving up a bit. At three, DS Forever by Gunna. Coming in at four, Dangerous, the double album by Morgan Wallen. <sighs> and coming in at number five, Colors by Young Boy Never Broke Again. Only thing happened this week is that Gunna and Weekend swapped. Swapping spots here. All right. If you didn't like any of those albums, we have new releases. All right. You could be listening to Once, Twice Melody by Beach House, Life on Earth by Hooray for all the riff raff. Hooray for the riff raff is the name of that band. Yes. Yes. But not all the riffraff, apparently. Oh. Blackberry Rose by Lavender Country. And Small World by Metronomy. Um, Metronomy. I will Metronomy. be listening to that Beach House record, so I will talk about that next week. Like Metronomy. Yeah. Metronomy. Exactly. <laughs> oh, we'll get to Togepi in a bit here. <laughs> <laughs> will we? Yeah. Because <laughs> I kind of wanted to cute. And then I stopped playing because I kind of wanted to cute. <laughs> Well, there you go. All right. Let's get to music news, or rather, yes. our continuing installment of music <laughs> beef. Yes, this week's music beef, uh, which you, know, you should read the, the title of this that I've written. Yes. We have Billie Eilish, Inhalers, and some other guy. <laughs> I try not to talk about him, but I had to talk about this story. Yes, because Ye 
Yeah. Took to Instagram on Thursday, as an adult does, to call out <laughs> Billie Eilish for comments she made at a recent show regarding concert safety, which, yay, apparently perceived as targeting rapper and Astroworld Festival founder Travis Scott. Despite Billie Eilish never having mentioned Scott, yay, posted on Instagram a screenshot from hip-hop account TV that reads, <laughs> quote, Billie Eilish dissed Travis Scott at her concert after she stopped the show to give her fan an inhaler. I wait for the people to be okay before I keep going, is what Billie Eilish said at the concert. <laughs> Responding in his own caption, con- uh, yay, almost slipped there, yay, <laughs> wrote, Come on, Billy. We love you. Please apologize to Trav and to the families of the people who lost their lives. No one intended this to happen. Trav didn't have any idea what was happening when he was on stage and was very hurt by what happened. And yes, Trav will be with me at Coachella. But now, I need Billy to apologize before I perform. A couple hours after he posted this, Billy Eilish did respond to the comments. Quote, literally never said a thing about Travis. Was just helping the fan. End quote. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is just one of those silly stories where... Yeah, I can't... It's silly, but it was... Everywhere. Billy was just trying to be a nice person. Like, yes. she said something that does absolutely reference the events of Astroworld. I don't think she was not doing that. But at the same time, that as we've talked about on this podcast, that whole thing was such an elaborate mess that Travis Scott was not the only person to to uh, to take the blame here. So no, what she's saying is an overall safety idea. Like it's not necessarily calling Travis Scott out specifically, but Yay wants to be a giant baby all the time, and so because um, there are things about him and he doesn't him. personally, it doesn't affect him. So yeah, I, I, I honestly I feel like this is a this is a win if he does end up. Canceling. Like, then nobody has to deal with his ass on Coachella stage. So there you go. No yay on Sunday? <laughs> yeah. I mean, then again, then they will be in a, yet another situation where you have to find a late, last-minute replacement. No, because that's when... That's when you move up Mafia. to House Mafia to their rightful place on Sunday. Yes. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a stupid story. I don't know why he's being so weird about it. Also, the fact that he's going to have Travis Scott on stage. Like, come on, why, why are you doing Isn't this? Isn't Travis Scott under his label, though? Uh, that's a good question. I, I actually don't why, know. I thought that's why he came to his defense. Maybe. I, I mean, also that they performed with each other yes. before. They're, they're seem, they seem to be friends as much as you can be friends in that kind of celebrity zone. I don't know. Right. Um, but yeah, I, it's just, it's frustrating to me that he's like making this about him. <laughs> it's just like she was literally just trying to be nice to a fan. I mean, she was really doing what people should do following something that happens like that at Astroworld. Yeah. Yeah. That it's at the forefront of your mind, fan safety now. Mm-hmm. Like, it was only, what, in October? So that's six months? Yeah. If that? I don't, I don't know. Uh, whatever. He can... He can. No, no, it's like four months. Wow. He can throw a pity party as much as he wants. She doesn't need to apologize. I think she's fine. Um, and whatever he chooses to do, who cares? It's okay. Every party has a pooper. That's, yep. why, that's why they invited I you. Exactly. Yep. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> I didn't have a segue for that. 
Oh, no. No one has a segue for the yay. <laughs> but we do have a segue to the Super Bowl, because one yes. of the performers at the Super Bowl it will be Snoop D-O-double-G. Yeah. And he's not only a performer, but he's also an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Because he rose to fame in the 1990s on Death Row Records. Mm-hmm. Well, the student has now become the master <laughs> and has now become the new... Uh, brand uh, owner. Owner. He, he owns it now. Owns he bought it, it outright. He bought it outright, right? Yeah, yes. not, not controlling state, right? He's acquired the label's brand from MNRK Music Group. That's right. Um, which is controlled by private equity funds managed uh, by the investment firm Blackstone. Yes, they keep popping up everywhere. <laughs> They're this year's Wanda Group. <laughs> yep. Uh, terms of the transaction were not disclosed. However, a source. Close to the situation tells Variety that Snoop's acquisition of the Death Row brand is the first part of a transaction that is expected to see him also acquiring some of the label's music rights. Yeah. Um, his, including included. his own yeah. uh, and, others, and other artists. The source says the deal is expected to conclude in the coming weeks. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned, this news comes just days before he's expected to perform with Dr. Dre, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, and Kendrick Lamar during the Super Bowl halftime show on Sunday. And it was foreshadowed earlier this week by the announcement that he and Nas are teaming up for a new song called Back on Death Row, (laughs) which Snoop is releasing a new album with the related title B.O.D.R., Back on Death Row. Well, coming... Yesterday. Yesterday. So that came out. I've not listened to it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, this this is kind of a full circle moment, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, one little bit, though, that uh, I want to thank uh, Jeff Grossman at Giant Bomb for this this little trivia bit that I was not aware of. Apparently, this is something that's been a long time coming for Snoop, because there's, like, I guess, uh, a history of him, like, leaving the label in not-so-great terms thanks to the late Suge Knight. So, as most people do. Yes. So there was apparently some beef there uh, that would like you add baggage to this thing. So his argument, well, Jeff's argument was saying like this is also kind of Snoop's ultimate revenge over Suge is to finally basically take back Death Row Records over his dead body. Essentially, <laughs> over like I wonder if he even said that at some point. But like, so yeah, it's kind of like one last fu uh, to Suge Knight's corpse. Is, I think the way he put it. <laughs> So, I mean, so yeah, there's a little bit of, like, a level of history there yeah. just to, to add uh, nuance to this. But, hey, you know what? Good for Snoop. I mean, this is a good investment. I mean, the Death Row name has been stagnant for a while. Um, it doesn't matter like it did in the 90s, and it hasn't in a long time. So if he can resurrect this with his name and his clout, get a lot of artists on here, snap up the rights probably from Interscope, where I think they ended up yeah. a lot of them. Um, so yeah, like you can probably make a pretty good name for uh, Death Row at this point and kind of revitalize the brand. You want to keep it as Death Row? Does it have yeah. a, a kind of like a legacy? I think so. I think so. I think you don't lose that name because that name means a lot to people who are big fans of West Coast 90s hip hop. I said, you just shorten to DR Records now? Ah, uh, no. Death Row's a fine name. Okay. I think it's, it's, it symbolizes so much of what they do and it always has. I think you might want to either do a logo from the electric chair, but. Ah, you know, yeah, I don't know. It really, it's the image I guess you want. Yes. All right. Uh, Speaking of images, I mean, 
one, we're going to see the Snoop and yeah. company perform at the halftime yes. show. We'll talk about Super Bowl and next week. sports. Well, also next week. Also next week. It. Yeah. <laughs> once we've seen it and see what they do. Yeah. Uh, but you listened to some music. I did. I listened to a couple of records. Uh, it's going to be a long show, so it'll be brief. Uh, uh, we don't need to be brief. It's going to be a long show. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's one of those <laughs> cyclical arguments, I guess. Um, yeah. So I listened to two records. Um, first up, you familiar with band Spoon? You like Spoon? Uh, I have heard of them. I think only through rock band, though. That makes sense. Well, uh, they uh, over the last couple of decades, they've made, made name themselves uh, for like really good groove centered like indie rock. Um, they're very reliable and consistent. And guess what? I'm not going to surprise anybody when I say their new record, Lucifer on the Sofa, is reliable and consistent. Hey, and it's good. Um, so if you like anything that Spoon's put out in the past. This is a lot like their uh, work in the late 2000s. They've gotten back to more of a rock sound after kind of going in a more dancey direction. The last two records, um, it's really, really good. If you're looking for something that's like Arctic Monkeys adjacent is, I think, one one way I can sell it to people who aren't familiar with Spoon. If you like that kind of sound, you'll really like this record. It's really good. Um, I also listened to the new Big Thief record, uh, which we... Uh, made fun of the name last week. Dragon New War Mountain, I Believe in You. <laughs> so, that long name is also uh, matches the length of the record, because this is a double album. Oh, it's a double album. Double album, 20 tracks total, 10 on each disc. Um, Big Thief has kind of had a big jump in um, like quality and uh, popularity over the last five years. They kind of went from being kind of a very small indie folk band to being probably the biggest indie folk band we have right now. Um, just getting nines across the board from Pitchfork for the last three records. Ooh. Like, they're really critical darlings at this point. And this one is is just as good. It's the, finally the one I think that sold has finally sold me on Big Thief. The last two records, I was like, yeah, I get why people like this. This isn't only my jam. This thing's really good. Um, just as a double album implies, there's a lot of variety here. They're trying all sorts of different sounds. Sometimes they go really heavy into that country folk. Sometimes they do a little bit more like synthy beats. And sometimes it's a little bit more like weird, like surrealist fantasy. There's a song about potatoes on this thing, for example. <laughs> it's really interesting. Sonically, Adrian Linker, who is the vocalist and the songwriter for the band, uh, she's never sounded better and she's never written more interesting lyrics. And so, yeah, if you've liked Big Thief in the past or if you're curious because of the critical acclaim, this is where you should jump in. Don't be scared off that it's a double album that's actually not that long. Because consider 10 tracks on each disc that's still only 20 tracks. This is somehow shorter than a Drake record. <laughs> <laughs> so think about it that way. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed both of these records. If you like the sound of either of those things, check them out. Okay. I might put it on my list. Right. I, got, I got some driving time yeah, you that might I can like, use. You might like some of the Big Thief. Uh, some of the more country, country uh, parts of it you might actually really Okay, All right, good. and you like? I think you'd really like Spoon. I mean, I'm pretty like I'm pretty sure I liked him when I played rock band. Right. <laughs> but yeah, just like churches, your homework is to dive into the Spoon discography. I know you still haven't listened to any churches. No, but I did listen to Mitski <laughs> back back okay. like last week when we talked about Mitski. It's true. It's true. So yeah, I, I've done some homework. Some of it. Yes. All right. Let's move on. All right. Let's move on into video games, and we start with new releases. Yes. Um, with. Dynasty Warriors 9, Empires, yes. for everything. One of your big releases this week. Somehow. <laughs> I mean, there's nine of them. Right. If you haven't played the previous eight, 
might get lost on the ninth in terms of story-wise. Yeah. But combat is combat. Yeah. Uh, we also have Assassin's Creed, the Ezio Collection for the Switch. Cloud version? No. No. These are, I believe, uh, natively running. Okay. Uh, we also have the King of Fighters 15. There's a lot of kings. I mean, if you thought Dynasty Warriors 9 was a lot. <laughs> Dinosaur Warriors. Dinosaur Warriors. <laughs> they should make that game with Dynasty Warriors with dinosaurs. Yes. That'd be so good. Or you fight dinosaurs. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, King <laughs> of Fighters 15 <laughs> for everything but the Switch. Yep. Sorry, Switch owners. Yep. Uh, Total War, colon, Warhammer 3 for the PC. Voice of the Cards, colon, The Forsaken Maiden for PS4, Switch, and PC. But, of course, this week is going to be dominated by one game. Kingdom Hearts. No. Cloud <laughs> version on the Switch. No. We'll but, get there. Oh, was that my idea? It's in the, it's in the direct news. I know. That's, that's, we have to talk about one thing first. I know. It's right here. Yeah. I see it. Um, yes. Um, game I pre-ordered, even though you, know, you yes. say you don't pre-order it, but <laughs> I had... You did anyway. Christmas money, I did it anyway. <laughs> I already know I'm going to spend... You're welcome, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to spend a lot of hours into this game when yes, I can. I know. Horizon Forbidden West for the PS4 and PS5. So we will both be talking about this next week. You pre-ordered it. I will have it in Gamefly form. Jerry uh, has ended in. Uh, uh, in the time slot. Yeah, I believe I'm going to get it. Um, so, yeah. Uh, excited for this one. Yep. In fact, my excitement for this one may be uh, sour being on a game that we'll talk about in the thoughts. Okay. Yeah. We'll get there. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. We'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, I mean, <laughs> when they gave us uh, the expansion uh, for Horizon Zero Dawn, mm-hmm. I, I immediately went and played that. And everybody yeah. was like, oh yeah, this is good. Yeah. But they get like, oh yeah, this is really wide open and like, yeah, kind of spacious. I'm really looking forward to this one because I bounced off the first one after a few hours of it, but I feel like and now I have, right onto me. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like I maybe have some more time, and maybe I'm in the right place for it this time. Also, I'm sure it's going to look beautiful on the mm-hmm. PS5 and on my television, so I'm very excited for it. So, uh, I'm excited for yeah. all, all the water world. <laughs> yeah, that's going to happen. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yep, uh, but we will talk about that next week. Yes, but this week, this week. Uh, it was Nintendo-filled yes. week. Nintendo! Nintendo. Um, so yeah, the past two weeks we've been talking about Sony and Microsoft buying stuff. Well, Nintendo <laughs> came out of nowhere and said, we're going to do it direct in two days. Let's talk about, real quick before we start, just think about how the year that video games are having already, and it's only February. Like, what a wild year for video games already. There's already a lot of big purchases, already big names that have so already been released. games, too. Just like, it never stops. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Is this the year of video games? This might be the year of video games. I'm feeling that, feeling it right now. Uh, I'm feeling it. And so is Nintendo, because um, when they said we're going to do a Nintendo Direct in two days, everyone thought, this is it, just a big Mario Kart 9. No. Not quite. No. We'll get there. Um, It just ended up being a full Direct of what's going to come out in the first half of this year. There are a couple of things in this jumble that are not coming out in the first half of this year. In fact, uh, the very last announcement, which is ironically our first announcement mm-hmm. that we're listing off here is a September game. But, oh, it's end of summer. But yeah, but like depending on how you define this, just this just means not in the fall and not in the holiday season. Yes. Is essentially what they're doing. Yep. And we start with the yes. conclusion. Yeah, with this, this is in no particular order here. Um because the source I looked at did not have it ordered in any yes. particular order. 
But yes, uh, this was what they kept for the final reveal. Yes, the big reveal at the end, for those of you who are very, very fans, yes. and very interested in the series and how it concludes, <laughs> Xenoblade Chronicles 3 announced coming in September. Yeah, I guess the people who like these games really like this these games, but I feel like they're just not, they don't do anything for me. It's it's wielding the sword and magic. How does he not like it? Fighting big monsters. It's not. It's everything you want in Monster Hunter, but not Monster <laughs> Hunter. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's Chronicle, man. Come on. Yeah. All right. <laughs> that, that's what you're gonna do next. That, that's your homework. Is, is get it? into <laughs> see what play Chronicles no, and never, Chronicles too. <laughs> no, you can't make me. Anyways, that is the big announcement that they saved for September. However, that was not the announcement that dominated Twitter. No. No, that would be Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. <laughs> yes, we've already... Yes, that is not a that is not a reprint. Yeah. Now, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, already out. Already the best-selling game on the Switch. <laughs> yeah. Best-selling game for Nintendo? Yes, I think so. I think we covered that. Yeah. Well, it's so good... That they're not going to allow us to buy Mario Kart 9. Right. But instead, give us DLC, expansion yeah. tracks. 48 tracks to be specific. Yes. Uh, giving it four tracks at a time mm -hmm. through the end of 2023. Yeah. This is smart for a couple of reasons, I think. Um, one, they already know a lot of people have this game. Mm -hmm. So why not cater to those people? Why not get another $25 out of each one of them? Also, they know that Mario Kart is an extremely nostalgic franchise in the same way that Super Smash Brothers is. So they figured out a way to continue the Super Smash Brothers hype that they lost when they finished Super Smash Brothers characters. Figuring out a way like, oh, what if, what, what if we had an event where we announced what new Mario Kart tracks are happening every couple months? They figured it out. Yeah. Basically, they figured out how to keep that hype train rolling. They're feeding the nostalgia drip. It's a really non-Nintendo move when you think about it. They're not known to support games this far beyond their uh, their uh, expiration date. I mean, we saw the fan uprising when they said that the most recent Animal Crossing update would be its last. Mm -hmm. Everybody was like, wait, what? Like, seriously? This is it? So now they're like, oh, but, but this game that was literally a Wii U game, a last generation game, we're going to support that at least until next year. I wonder how <laughs> much of it is the lack of, like, Technical growth between yeah. the, the Wii U and the Switch that they can put into it's part it. of it too. It's got to be easy to develop these things, right? I mean, because they're they're not making new courses; these are old courses right. revamped for the Switch. Yeah, and, and I honestly don't think the pricing is too bad here. I think forty eight tracks for twenty five dollars is not too bad, mm -hmm. even if it is like over a period of time. Also, they said that this is included with the online expansion pass, just like the Animal Crossing DLC was. Mm -hmm. So if you already are a subscriber to that, or you subscribe now, you will get this as part of your subscription, alongside the Genesis and the Nintendo 64 games. This okay. finally got me to do it. Okay. The, oh. Yeah, I got this, the and DLC. I got a, an, um, a really cheap copy of Mario Kart 8 okay. coming in the mail. So. This talked me into it. I mean, it worked on me. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I think this is a really smart move. Yeah, I got Mario Kart Eight as a part of yeah. like the Christmas bundle switch when I got right. my switch, right. and then just this past Christmas, like not knowing any of this was gonna happen, <laughs> I got a Mario Kart wheel. Oh, that's great. That I, that when I received, it, I'm like, what am I gonna do with this? I don't play Mario Kart that now often. Yeah, you might. And now this news comes mm -hmm. out, I'm like. 
oh, who's future proofing my life right now? Yeah, so Christy and I are excited because she's we've played uh, a couple of the past Mario Karts as like kind mm-hmm. of a, like a lead into this. I had her try Super NES Mario Kart, and last night we played Mario sixty four. Mm-hmm. Now that I have the expansion pass, Mario Kart sixty four, I should say, and she's getting better. Mm-hmm. She's had a hard time initially, but she's getting better at. It, so by the time we get our copy of eight. I told her, it's like, well, yeah, you can even do this to do, like, steering wheel motions, and it works. And she's, like, interested in that. So we'll see when that happens. Uh, you you got to find, uh, like, the wheels where you put the switch Yeah, and the wheels are working on it. I think she'll be fine. Just <laughs> cruising. So anyway. Anyways, that was the big news that we were excited about. Well, not the, the most excited. I'll get to the thing I'm most excited about later. Well, I know what you're most excited about. <laughs> yes. Because the thing I'm most excited about here is I'm going to get to the... I don't know. <laughs> well, let's keep going. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. All right. Uh, they also announced Fire Emblem Warriors, colon, Three Hopes, uh, yes. coming in June. It's uh, a Fire Emblem Muso, a, a Dynasty Warriors game. Yep. Um, featuring the Three Houses. Yeah. For characters from the game, the Switch game, Fire Emblem Three Houses, yep. specifically. This is exactly what they did with Zelda. They're just doing what they did with Zelda. To Fire Emblem. Yeah, they throw warriors at the end of it and so you know what it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we also had a new Mario game. Yeah. Uh, Mario Strikers called Battle League. Yes. Now it's coming in June. Mario it's Strikers being the soccer franchise that has been dormant, I believe, since the GameCube. Yep. They didn't make, uh, they haven't made one in a long time. It's a fan favorite because it's one of the few times that they try a different art style with the Mario characters. Mm-hmm. And it's a style re- a lot of people really love. Um, it looks like a fun arcadey soccer game with a lot of cool power-ups. Yeah, similar to the way Mario Golf was where everyone has a unique power-up. It's four-on-four plus mm-hmm. AI goalie. <laughs> yeah. It seems fun. I never played the Strikers games before, so this might be my first one. Um, they also announced Chrono Cross yes. Remastered for uh, coming in April. Yeah, uh, Chrono Cross, the sequel to Chrono Trigger, mm-hmm. the Super NES game. This was a PlayStation exclusive back in the day. Uh, very popular game, like divisive, I think, among Chrono fans, but it's cool to well, see it. Well, you're trying to top Chrono Trigger. Oh, Trigger, which is a classic, yeah. yeah. So, see, yeah, it was very divisive upon its release and has a complicated history because of it, but since people uh, who always wanted to play this or want to play this again, uh, it's a cool move. Yeah. Um, also, the game that I'm probably going to pick up. Yes, absolutely, we will too. Uh, Nintendo Switch yes. Sports announced coming in April, which will contain... Tennis, Chimbara, which is the hit your hit your opponent off the off the the thing with a sword game. Yeah, like uh, American Warriors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like uh, yes, um, American Gladiators. American Gladiators. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, could come out of Ninja Warrior there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some soccer. There's there normal soccer. Normal soccer, <laughs> badminton, and volleyball yeah. at launch, with golf coming later. Sorry, baseball. Apparently nobody likes you. <laughs> it's not that big in Japan. Sorry, Atani. It's huge in Japan. <laughs> I just thought it was really funny that everything from eSports is coming back except for baseball. Yes. <laughs> like, screw you, baseball. Maybe it's a later update. Anyway, uh, yeah, this is extremely exciting uh, because eSports is one of the best-selling games of all time. Mm-hmm. It's a classic of the Wii. It was the thing that sold everybody on the Wii in the first place. And, yeah, it's great to see them revitalizing it. There's online play this time, 
so uh, on matchmaking. So is this Nintendo giving up on one two switch? I uh, so it's weird. <laughs> Depending on where you are, actually, there was a rumor going on around last week before this direct happened that there was a sequel to one two switch uh, in the development. Was it one two three switch? That's something. I mean, they can't not call it that. Uh, but yeah, uh, that still may happen. But I think this is a better version of the same kind of idea, mm-hmm. a kind of jump off point for people to get into Switch games. Uh, but yeah, I think this is brilliant. I mean, people love Wii Sports and adding sports to it, even though the ones they're adding seem maybe a tad more complicated, like the soccer one especially, yeah. it seems like you're mostly controlling it with buttons, which is very anti the Switch spirit. Except for there is an option, they said, that will be added at a later date after launch to use the leg strap accessory that you either have already because of Ring Fit or will come with the shipping physical version of the game okay. to do kicks. Hey, so like penalty kicks? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, so it, 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 that could make it a little bit more interesting. But otherwise, I feel like it's the odd one out of all of these games because yeah. badminton and volleyball is basically similar to tennis. Except that the volleyball requires you to make certain moves, uh, more specific moves like bumps and sets. Yeah, you bring up ring fit. I just thought, can you uh, can you put the controller in the ring fit circle and use that as your wheel? <laughs> yes. For Mario Kart. Except maybe not because I feel like the tilt controls only work with. Well, actually, you know, maybe you're right. <laughs> just thought about that. Yeah, maybe you're right. I should try. We should try that. I'll try, we'll that. try that when we get. Yeah, when we do it. Anyway. Anyways, there's more Nintendo Direct news. <laughs> yes. We're only we're not even halfway done with it. Right. No. Um, triangle Strategy. Yes. Uh, new game will get a new demo uh, and a March release date. Yeah, some people are excited about that. Uh, we also have remakes of Front Mission 1 and 2 coming in the summer and beyond. If you don't know what the Front Mission games are, real quick, they are Square-developed RPGs from the Super NES era. That are uh, involved mecha fights. Mecha fights. Giant robot battles, and as you level up, you're improving your parts for your robots. Well, very, like, people who love mechas think these things are classic. Uh, the first one is the one coming out in the summer, and the uh, remake of two will be coming later in the year. All right. Uh, we also have news from Splatoon 3. Yes. Their new Salmon Run mode was announced. Uh, the game will release in summer there was a salmon run mode in splatoon 2 this is kind of a sequel to that this is their co-op pve version so this is basically like if you don't want to necessarily do like multiplayer modes player versus player this is like a side mode you can do with a friend and defeat bosses okay horde mode yeah (laughs) more or less yes um one of our favorite games of last year uh being about favorite yes metroid dread We'll be getting one hit kill, dread mode, and boss rush expansions, DLC yes. for Metroid. Yeah, so if you played Metroid Dread and want more, you can play in the super hard dread mode with the first res- uh, uh, release, the first uh, expansion here. That will also go alongside a rookie mode to make it easier, too. Yeah. If you want to make it a little easier on you. Right. And then the boss rush expansion will be later, and that'll just be like boss after boss after boss um, kind of challenge. You know what? All this sounds great for AGDQ. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited to see people try to beat the boss rush as fast as possible. Yeah, you know your, 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 metro, your standard Metroid Dread mm-hmm. speed run, and then the the one-hit kill for yeah. incentives. Yeah, yeah, it'd be yeah. cool. It'd be cool. Because uh, that's the only way I'm going to watch this, because I'm not going to play it. Yeah, I'm not going to play it. 
that. That sounds terrible. Well, like that game is hard no, enough. No, it sounds fantastic. Sounds great, but that game's hard enough. I don't need to yes. make it harder. Uh, I can't uh, imagine what it kill mode. I don't need a difficulty uh, mode on that. Yeah. It's already a difficulty mode. Right. All right. Uh, okay. So right. here you go. It's time. It's time. Open your mouths. <laughs> Everyone, agape. Unhook your jaw <laughs> and swallow the news. Yes. That is Kirby and the Forgotten Land mouthful mode. All right. So they showed a new trailer for Kirby and the Forgotten Land, which I am way too excited about. This comes out next month in March. Um, unfortunately, after my birthday. But that's okay. Christy already said she's getting it for me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, but the, the best part of this new trailer was something that they're calling... Mouthful mode. So typically, Kirby fully inhales something, and then when he swallows, he has a coffee ability. But what if something was so big and cumbersome that Kirby couldn't swallow it? What if instead it kind of stuck, gets stuck halfway, and it's still part of it is still out of his mouth? Then you call Dr. Mario to get it lodged out. <laughs> yes, that too. But before that, you call it mouthful mode. So basically, it's another play mode that they introduce that they're that they are introducing in this game. And it seems like it's traversal and puzzle-solving related. For example, if Kirby swallows or tries to swallow a car... <laughs> trying to not think of all the memes I saw on Twitter this week. Um, he'll like kind of stop where he's over the car, but the wheels and the bottom of the car are still there. So what does he do? He drives around. So that's like a cool like traversal mode that he can do. He can half-swallow a light bulb to solve light puzzles by like glowing out of his mouth. He can swallow a ring to blow puffs of air to uh, go across water. He can swallow like a, a some sort of flying device to like glide through rings in the sky. He can like get his mouth on a cone to then pierce through like broken pipes. Mouthful mode is bizarre. It's such a weird idea. It's the new mechanic. Yeah, it's a cool mechanic. I think there's a lot of cool things they could potentially do to it. It just—it's so funny to see Kirby like just almost eat something, it's not quite get there. <laughs> Which, like, like I said on Twitter, it's a mood. It's a mood. <laughs> not being able to wanting to eat something, you just can't quite, just can't quite do it. You're stuck. <laughs> it's like trying to get your mouth around uh, in and out four by four. Yes, exactly. You can't quite do it, but maybe you just get stuck halfway through. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm very excited for mouthful mode, and very excited. Um, anything else you want to talk about? No, that's you're it. excited about it? That's it. That's it. That's all. Mouthful mode. I think this one's on my list, too. I'm yeah. going to get to it in March. Oh, absolutely. Uh, what's the one I have on my list? Too? Yeah. <laughs> Real quick. Um, I think, uh, off the top of my head, I think I have uh, Saints Row for August, and I have Wonderlands for April. Is that April? Yeah, that's in April. No, because I have one coming out uh, next week. Oh. Elden Ring? Yeah, Elden Ring. That's Elden right. Ring is between that. Yeah. I'm skipping Elden Ring. <laughs> I mean, I'm putting in Elden Ring because I'm already getting um, a Horizon. Right. And then I currently have Death Stranding, which I haven't touched in like a week and a half. Yeah, it's probably fine. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to try Elden Ring when it comes out. All right. Well, let's finish off this Nintendo. Oh, yeah. So we're about halfway through with Nintendo yeah. Direct. We're getting there. Yeah, we're getting there. Um, they, they also announced that Earthbound and yes. Mother, Earthbound Beginnings, yeah. will be available on the NES and SNES. Through the Switch online. So yeah, they're just going to add it to the services if you already have them. Okay. Uh, there's also Advance Wars 1 and 2 Reboot Camp releasing in April yep. on the 8th. That was delayed from last October, yep. finally coming out in April. 
And they also announced live, a live, yes, at, which is an SNES JRPG that was previously only available in Japan. We'll be getting a Western release for the first July. Time. Yeah, a lot of people are excited about this. This was one of those rare, like, you saw it in the import magazines in the early 90s and always wanted it to come to the States and never did. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a cool idea because it's a JRPG that takes place along several time periods. So there's multiple stories going on. It's an interesting idea and a lot of people are playing. Weirdly, yeah, kind (laughs) of. Yeah. Anyway, that's Live Alive. Live Alive? I don't know. I thought, was, I thought it was Live a Live by Kill the Kid. <laughs> <laughs> no. Nope. Nope. All right. Uh, well, speaking of things that um, yes. are forever and will never die and will always right. be ported over, Yes. Portal sure. 1 and Portal 2 will be coming to the Switch later this year. Yeah, so somehow if you've been living under a rock and you've never played the Portal games. Or if you're <laughs> new to gaming and you've yeah. never played the Portal games. Portal 1 is a classic. Stone Cold classic. Uh, so absolutely great games uh, coming to Switch. Yep, and Portal 2 just ups the puzzle mode. Yeah, I have mechanics. Weird thing about me, I've never played Portal 2. Well, here, now you can play it on the Switch wherever you go. And you do. Um, <laughs> so, we talked about MLB, the show. Yeah. Um, and how they're still not calling it the Shohei. <laughs> Somehow. Somehow, even though he is the cover athlete. And we'll talk about how it Last year, branched off from the PlayStation and appeared on the uh, Xbox. So, yeah. So, when they announced last week that the game would be coming out on multi-platform again, they announced it would come to Switch. So, they finally showed some footage of the Switch version here. Oh, oh it looks rough. The frame rate on that thing looks like it's running at, like, t- like maybe 15 frames. It looks terrible. And the textures are worse. Like, I don't blame them because they're taking something that's, like, next-gen, like, like quality, cramming it onto the Switch. Mm-hmm. And it's not cloud mode. Nope. So, yeah. Uh, but it was cool to see Otani show up. Two yeah. Otanis show up on the, <laughs> the, the, the on the weird trailer they showed. Yeah. <laughs> um... It's there if you want it. Otherwise, yeah. stick to the consoles on this. I feel like they're really trying. They did that to, to try to push it to Japan. Oh, be like, yeah. hey, look, your man, he's here. <laughs> like, look how cool this is. He's holding a Nintendo Switch. The only way this would actually work is if I can use the controller as a bat and play baseball with it. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the only way I'll play it on the. Switch. I actually wonder if they're gonna do that. I would not be surprised. I mean, if they're gonna do it, they're gonna do it on Nintendo Switch Sports. Can you imagine pitching like with a Wii, like? With the switch thing, yeah. like, yeah, like no, weird. You, you, it's a flick. Yeah, just a flick. Different yeah. like angles, maybe for the different yeah. fishes. It's like a sword. You, you flick it this way inside. You flick it outside. Yeah. You flick it up. You yeah. flick it there. That'd be really it's tricky open. to get accuracy though. Uh, you do a, a roundhouse to do like a. I don't know. Apparently, a curveball. well, I'm sure we'll talk about this later. But Spiels. apparently, it'll be the year of the pitcher with the designated hitter in the middle of nowhere. Everyone's a hitter. Everybody's yeah. Yep. I will get there in sports stuff. We're not done yet with yeah, Nintendo we'll here. Uh, uh, we also had uh, Star Wars Clone the Force unleashed. Yes, that yes. old game comes yeah. to Switch. Finally, I guess. Yeah. I don't know who's waiting for that. Um, we also have No Man's Sky coming to Switch, also yep. porting over. Don't forget Disney Speedstorm Racing. Oh, I was getting there. Yeah. <laughs> I was getting also that's coming to Switch. That's already out in other stuff. Yeah. But yeah, Disney Speedstorm Racing coming to Switch. You have here, it looks like a mobile port. Yeah, I think it is a mobile game because they said it was made by the Asphalt team. Asphalt is a mobile series okay. that's been existed on smartphones for forever. So, yeah. 
I mean, I haven't seen this on a mobile, but I'm assuming I would not be surprised. I won't be surprised yeah. if this is a cross-platform. Because um, they said it was free to play, so that may. Oh, be and yes, if it's free to play, it's a phone. That's what this is. Yes. Okay. Um, we also have Clonoa One and Two coming to the Switch. Yeah, this is cool. These are pl- classic platformers from the PlayStation and PlayStation Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're really cool. Yep. Uh, there's also. Taiko no Tatsujin colon Rhythm Festival yep. to Switch. That's that Taiko drum game you see in yes. arcades all the time. Bum, bum, yeah. bum, bum, bum. Coming to Switch. Uh, Cuphead DLC coming to Switch. Yep. And Assassin's Creed 2. Which we Assassin's talked Creed about this in Rhythm New Releases. And Revelations. <laughs> and that's coming to Switch. Yeah, we're saying that's here, but they also said coming immediately. Right. And then it's finally here. They announced it like. Yeah. Back in October, when they announced Sora, but... But they confirmed that not just the first three, but also all the little side games, too. Yep. All Kingdom Hearts games will now be playable via cloud on the Switch. So you get uh, 1.5 and Mm -hmm. 2.5 HD, as well as Kingdom Hearts 3. All of them. All of them. Except for Melody of Memory, which is already on the Switch. Right. (laughs) And that one is not cloud-based. No. So... Go for that one for the smoother experience, but yeah. also really for the music. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I feel like if you have any other platform you can play Kingdom Hearts on, absolutely do it there. Like, I don't think there, it's, it's a great fit for the Switch. So. But, hey, it's the only thing you have. Hey, they made it fit. Yeah, so. somehow. Um, wrapping it up here, we also have SD Gundam Battle Alliance coming to the Switch. Yeah. Getsu Fuma, or Fuma Den, colon... Undying Moon, which is an artsy roguelike coming to the Switch. Yeah. And lastly, a Everything montage yeah. of Lego Brawls, Demon Slayer, Two Point Campus, and Zombie Army 4. So yeah, that was your packed Dis- Nintendo Direct. A lo- something for everybody, but especially if you're like a four-year-old who really loves the Super NES and RPGs. Yes. This was apparently for you, is the, the feedback I've seen on Twitter. is like... Hey, you're something tossing something out for all the oldsters out there. The fact that this is encompassing what's basically the next uh, yeah. six months. It's not bad. It's not bad. There's not a little bad bit of everything. Someone, someone has something new to look forward to. And honestly, just so many good games. So yeah, yeah, it's a really good time to be a Switch owner. And it just reinforces the fact that Nintendo has no reason to upgrade, do a new Remember Switch when already. everyone bought the Switch in 2020? Because that's what yeah. they get their hands on? Well, Here it is paying off. Yeah, Nintendo is, especially with the sports... <laughs> Uh, with we uh, Switch Sports or whatever, Nintendo Switch Sports, yes. I think they're really in, uh, guaranteeing that the Switch will have a long life. Yes. Uh, which means we may see it break the five-year console cycle. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. Yeah. Um, the, That's the, this the year. Peak is that like is this year, by the way. Topping off. This yes. is year five of the Switch. Is it year five yeah. of the Switch? It'll be five. 2017? Yeah, it'll be five in... In November or summerish, I don't remember yeah. when the switch came out, but yeah, yeah. I mean, this I is five this off, year. So, so is this technology topping off? So I think that yeah. there's no reason for them to even talk about another switch. I think Nintendo this, Switch for, Pro or Nintendo Switch 3D. I don't think they do either of those anytime soon. Is what I'm saying. All right. All right. So okay. now we have something else that Nintendo directly did. Yes, uh, <laughs> they directly said. Bowser to jail. <laughs> yes. So, Nintendo has announced that Gary Bowser 
Not to confuse with Doug Bowser, the current <laughs> president of America. Completely, yeah, completely different a Bowser. Completely different Bowser, separate from also Bowser, mm-hmm. like a cartoon character, Bowser, of yeah. Mario. Gary Bowser is reportedly the man accused of creating and selling circumvention devices, mm-hmm. which enables players to illegally use ROMs on their consoles. Including Switch and 3DS. He's been sentenced to 40 months in jail. Yeah. Gary Bowser was a member of a hacking group called Team X Executor, <laughs> which in 2013 began creating and selling circumvention devices enabling users to play illegal ROMs on consoles, including Switch and 3DS consoles. According to the U.S. government, the group's criminal enterprise generated tens of millions of dollars in sales and resulted in up to $150 million in losses to the victims. Mentions here being Nintendo. So there's two things about the story. One is not surprising that they would do this. They've classically been very harsh on people selling ROMs. Mm -hmm. This is kind of the next level. Someone selling devices to circumvent security to play ROMs, which is even more of a threat to yes. Nintendo's business, according to them. The other half of those, it doesn't make Nintendo look great. Apparently, in the uh, aftermath of this, they released, the company released a press release bragging that they, with uh, with help from the U.S. government, sent this guy to jail. For 40 bucks. Not a great Look, but you have a company basically like, yeah, we sent this man to jail. Yeah, we did it. We did this. It's like, guys, read the room a little bit. Like, like, yes. They're protecting their assets. Yeah, but you don't have to brag about it. It just was a weird It's look. a warning shot to anyone. That's I, what it that's is. That's what they need it to be, but it's not, I don't know. It just felt really weird for a company to do that, and regardless of what kind of company it is, especially one with an image as happy and and go look at Family friendly. Yeah, it's just, it was just a weird vibe, I think. And so, yeah, that part of this is kind of shitty. Um, and yeah, like, I don't know. The, the, the conversation about whether you should be able to play uh, ROMs and circumvent security on, on consoles, it's too big of a can of worms for us to get into here. I just want to say that I think it's kind of shitty to brag about sending anybody to jail. That's just what I'm saying. Anyways, now that you're <laughs> off the soapbox there, let's talk about Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I talked a little bit about this in a preview way last week. Um, yep. We both played some Pokemon Legends Arceus, um, for probably varying amounts of it. Yes. Let's put it this way. I have not played any since I talked about it last week. Really? Yeah. I mean, my life's been pretty busy, too, and I've played with you twice. Yeah. Um, how far do you, have you gone in Arceus? Uh, I still, like I said last week, I only got to the point where I finished the survey for the first area, and I went back to town and talked to everybody there, got my first star, and then I am still in town. I you haven't there. left town? I have not left town again. Wow. <laughs> Talk about life being art. I think it's... I like a lot of the ideas of that game. I think that there's probably a lot of promise into where it goes, but moment to moment... It does things I do not want to do in video games. It does where grinding is part of the mechanic. It does the thing where you're constantly trying to find shit to craft other shit, which is not a mechanic I like either. 
And so it, uh, my understanding is it just keeps doing these things. And so I'm like, do I, every time I had that thought where I'm like, what do I want to do with my time? I was like, well, last thing I want to do is play more Arceus. <laughs> and so I put it in its envelope today and I'm sending it back. Oh no! I'm done. You're done. I have to, like I said, I'm preparing myself for Horizon at this point. I'm like, all right, this didn't hit me in the way that I thought it would. I already was worried about it seeing all the preview footage because I was like, this looks like a game that's not for me. And you know what? I don't think it's a game for me, turns out. And you know, I think that's okay, because it's definitely a game for me. Yeah, no, this makes sense for you. Because <laughs> it's a game where I can run around, like, oh, is that new? Let me capture it. Mm -hmm. Ooh, what's this thing? I want to pick it up. Oh, my bag's full? Okay, let me craft things so I can free up some room. It is definitely a game for me in, in my collect everything, see <laughs> everything, do everything kind of mindset. Yeah. Um, I just got the surf ability, or the surf Pokemon, to ride around on the water now. Mm -hmm. So... I am free, but apparently it's also um, not quite that free because I need to wait for the... I got spoiled because watching someone else sure. play. There's a, now a, a flying one, yes. too, that I got to wait for. So yes. that's the next thing I'm going to, but it's... I'm having fun with it. Cool. I like running around and capturing and seeing them, but like, oh, this person's in this game? Oh, this Pokemon's in this game? Oh, this Pokemon's over here? Oh, I found this yeah. one? Um, it, now, granted... One, there's no way I can level up and train everyone that I want on my team. Right. It's impossible. Uh, two, like, I have, like, all the, um, I think, Sinnoh starters now. Mm -hmm. But I also I don't want to put them on my team and, and train them up because they're all, like, level ones and level fives. <laughs> like, oh, but, but everyone I have my team's level 40 now. Yeah. You don't belong here. I think it's tricky because, yeah, the whole time I was playing it, I was wishing I was playing a normal Pokemon. I get like most people probably are not like that. Most people are like, oh wow, finally I have all this freedom. I can make all these choices. It's not necessarily the freedom. It's mm -hmm. it's the newness. Yeah. The unlocked camera. Right. I liked that from uh, Sword and Shield running yeah. around. I hated that it was only one area though. And I like that this is like, okay, now this area over here, and this like three different yeah. areas that have different sets of Pokemon, so you don't have like quite as big overlap. Yeah, and, and it turns out that fans really love it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's getting really, really, really good reception. And it's selling like crazy, too. So, I don't feel bad about being out of the, like, I don't feel like I'm out of the loop. I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. Because mm -hmm. it, it makes me feel the same way I feel about the Monster Hunter franchise. Which mm -hmm. is, like, it has its fans. It's huge for those people. And they love it so much. It's okay if it doesn't jive with me. And I am going to be okay Not with that. Not every game is going to be for everybody. That's yeah. fine. It's just it sucks because in a way, the only thing I feel bad about, the only thing that sucks is, is that if this is the next big thing in Pokemon and if this is the direction the franchise goes from here on out, that worries me. Uh, yes. I Because the things I like about Pokemon are the battling and... <laughs> That's the one thing this game doesn't really do. It's actually the one thing that the game harps yeah. against you doing. Exactly. Everybody. This game is so much about the people who love the collecting and the exploring. Yes. And I have never been that person. It, this is a uh, game for the Pokemon Go fans. Yeah. Who like collecting and exploring and seeing all the new different Pokemon that are out there in the quote-unquote natural habitat. Yes. And it does a good job at doing that. It's like a really good version of the game that everybody had in their brands when they were like an eight-year-old playing the Pokemon Game Boy game, mm -hmm. being like, I want a game where I just wander around and see Pokemon. Yep. This is that. They finally made it. Yes. It's just that it's almost a monkey po monkey's paw thing for me, whereas like, yeah, they did that, but they also combined that idea with mechanics I don't 
with oh, I'm constantly having to pick up shit every time I see it. I oh, just don't yeah, like I doing do that automatically. It. <laughs> and I realize, and I realize, for those of you who are keeping score at home, I yes, I did earlier say I'm excited for Horizon. I do realize that Horizon, as a series, does a lot of the same shit. Or you have to pick up a lot of shit to craft shit. But here's the difference. Is Horizon is about the combat, about being better at the combat. Well, it's also that you use immediately what yes. you pick up and craft. Whereas right. Pokemon, it's, okay, I'm going to craft a bunch of potions. On the off chance, I'm going yes, to craft a bunch of remedies. On the off chance, my Pokemon eventually dies. So yeah, I think... Well, oh, by the way, speaking yeah. of that, um, <laughs> I will never play this game on Nuzlocke because I kill my Pokemon oh, constantly. <laughs> oh yeah, no. It's not built for that. No. It's a different kind of game. Well, I'm glad that you're enjoying it. Uh, but yeah, like, it just... I bounce off of it. I think... Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I like the idea that I'm glad it exists and I'm glad a lot of people will really enjoy it because this is probably is a lot of people's dream Pokemon game. Now, did you happen to run into any time distortions? No. Ooh. Okay. So, that's also a random mechanic. Okay. Um, is time distortions, where um, pockets uh, will open up uh, on the map, and when you render them, powerful, rare Pokemon will randomly pop up uh, and you can capture them. Okay. It's how I caught a Gengar. It's how uh, I caught a Steelix. It's how I caught a Ursaray. Nice. Uh, I think a Gyarados was in there too when I tried to catch, but um, I, I couldn't because it ran away. Okay. Well, uh, I caught like five Eevees in that thing because it just kept popping up. I just kept battling them and throwing Pokeballs at them. Nice. So the time sources are a cool concept. I like that. It's like, hey, random drop here. It's, it's similar to the random raids from Pokemon Go. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, there's a random raid happening over here. Like, a block away. Or the raids in the or the raids in the DLC for Sword and Shield. Yeah, same same yeah. exact concept. Where powerful Pokemon come and if you uh, able to capture them, hey, yeah, you got them. Yeah, a cool. They're they're really doing a really good. It's like you they toss all of the mechanics from the other Pokemon things like mm -hmm. Pokemon Go, Let's Go, and um, the main series and just put them in a blender. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think it's a really cool thing that they're finally branching out and doing this. Because the thing that everybody said about Pokemon is that they felt it got stagnant. Well, now no one can say that anymore. Yep. They did something so different and revolutionary with it, with this game, that it's impossible to say that Game Freak's not taking risks anymore. This was an enormous risk. Yes. Um, now, my only question slash worry is that if they do something similar like this in yeah. the future... And they will. And you know they will. There will but, be another um, Legends colon something else. Yes, Legends colon uh, whatever, whatever place they go. Yeah, Mew. They're probably right. Kanto's next. <laughs> yeah. um, because they don't have a whole lot of like full-on Kanto's in this one. Yeah. Or, or um, Johto's. Yeah. Um, oh, I play uh, uh, Legends Ho-Ho-Ho-Ho. Yeah, that'd be a good one. That'd be a good one. Yeah. Um, that... Will they run out of Pokemon? Because you, you no, it'll be Legend Celebi. Who am I kidding? Because <laughs> yeah. time, time, time. Yeah, because it's back here. Yeah, it'll be Celebi. It'll be Legend Celebi. Pokemon Legend Celebi. Yeah, give us all the money because we called it. They called it. All right. Um, sorry. So, so mark it here. Yes. Um, come back to this podcast. Okay, yeah. Where they announce Pokemon Legend Celebi and um, give us our reward. <laughs> um, but I mean, 
I, I like uh, it's definitely where they're going to probably go next. Another yeah. time version of it. I just hope that this means that there will be they will still make traditional Pokemon games alongside this. Mm-hmm. That this will be a game, maybe in every other generation thing, where like they do this, they do a Legends game, so that way they can spend a lot of time working on the next proper series yeah. game, and then vice versa. Like so, there's just a overlapping schedule. Mm-hmm. I hope that's what they do. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I do enjoy a lot of the little Easter eggs of stuff that happens that um, that I might not be aware of, but people are definitely pointing out on the internet of like, <laughs> oh, like this right here is corresponds. Like this is what yeah. happened in uh, in Diamond and Pearl. It is neat how like there's certain like townspeople who are like, oh, this is his ancestor of this character from Diamond and Pearl. Yeah, that's also neat. Um, doesn't do a whole lot for me because I'm not a fan of that generation. Well, but... neither am I. <laughs> yeah. But the fact that people are pointing it people... out, like, Game Freak takes the time to notice that right. and make that a, a they thing. They clearly worked very hard on this game. Yes. And it definitely shows beyond some of the graphical concerns that people have. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm glad it's good, is what I'm, I guess my final thought about it is. I'm glad that it's the thing that a lot of people wanted. Yeah. You're just it's not, for, not me. for you. Which is fine. Which is fine. I do not feel like I'm missing out. Is what I'm saying. Like what I feel like at this point, I don't feel like I'm missing out not finishing this game. Right. Now, um, I've gotten into this, and I don't know if this is a thing though. But can uh, the Pokemon Home is this connected to Pokemon Legends? Oh, jeez, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think because of how different it is, I don't believe it's connected to that, nor is it connected to the global trade. Right. I think it's completely separate from that because, just by the nature of how easy it is to catch shit, I think it's just not the same. Okay, because that was my gonna be the, that's my big concern if they do, or not if when they do a sequel yeah. to this is if all the Pokemon you caught can be put into your home, what are the no. new Pokemon that you're gonna be able to? Catch? I think the Legend series is always gonna be sequestered over here and separate. It's gonna be in its own yeah. time box. I think it practically <laughs> has to be, especially with the, what they're doing to the combat with the like what is it the the, the open combat, the powerful slash uh, the agile moves, yeah. like the thing that they do with mastering moves and shit. That's nothing like that in mm-hmm. other games. So I feel like they're going to continue putting those in their own corner. They're single-player experiences. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and there is a online component of gathering satchels, eh, but there's no the online battling that I. It's not. Yeah. yeah, it's not the same way uh, that it is in the other games. Yep. That's Legends Arceus. Um, I'm. It's early, so... so you're going to continue playing it? I'm going to continue playing it up until I get... Uh, until Horizon, Horizon comes in next week, so you got four days. i got four days. Oh, five days, more or less, before... Unless you get it at 9 p.m. on Thursday night. Oh, I am getting it at 9 p.m. on Thursday night. It's going to be pre-downloaded. It'll be nice. ready to play. Good job. All right, let's move on. That's, that's another reason why I pre-ordered it, so I can play yeah. it right at the 9 p.m. slot. Right. So let's move on in the meantime and talk about television. And we start television... With the Sports Corner! What a week for sports, as everybody in the world knows. Tomorrow is Super Bowl Sunday. It is the Rams and the Bengals in Super Bowl 40, uh, 56. Is that correct? 56? Yes, 56. Um, so yeah, uh, of course that will be here in SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. We will be watching. We'll talk about it next week with whatever happens in that game. Um, Alongside the uh, halftime show, which we talked about before uh, on this show. So, yeah, exciting times. Yep. Lots of storylines going into this game, mm-hmm. um, especially on both sides of the quarterbacks. Oh, yeah, and, and with the league as a whole. The league as a whole. It's just like, it's just a weird time for football. It's a weird time, but I feel like everyone's excited for this game. There's no, like, oh, this person's back or this team's back. They're yeah. both exciting for different reasons. Right. 
And for all the Bengals fans who said they were saying like, oh, tickets cost too much, um, you had like 22 years to prepare for this. You should have said something, and yeah. eventually you made the Super Bowl. Right. But yeah, tickets are stupidly expensive, as they are, uh-huh. not only just being in Los Angeles, but being in a new stadium. Yeah, get ready to pony up. Yeah. Um, like Even face value was like $1,600 for so the high up. So much money. So much money. But, if you weren't able to grab yeah. those, scalpers just like five times that. So. Yeah. And if they weren't able to uh, grab a Super Bowl seat, it's nonetheless been a good week for some players as some awards has been given out. Yes. Aaron Rodgers, unfortunately, uh, does not deserve any awards. Is you all wrong? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he has won his second straight NFL MVP award. So, like, congratulations? No, I don't really feel like I need no. to say that. I'll give you a firm handshake <laughs> and say. Yeah. Maybe do better next time. Please retire. <laughs> uh, Cooper Cup is your offensive player of the year. Yep. TJ Watt or Swat won the defensive player of yes. the year. Not that Watt brother, yes. but the other, the other Watt, one. Watt brother. Joe Burrow has won the comeback player of the year. As he should because he <laughs> broke his leg last year. Right. And then came back to lead his team to the Super Bowl. Mike Vrabel has won coach of the year. And Andrew Whitworth has won the Walter Payton Man, man of the year award. That's a man. A man. Yeah, also Only probably man. his last um, game. Um, uh, he is 40. He is an offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Typically, you don't play to 40 That's in your offensive line. But um, then again, because you're, you're taking hits every single play. Right, so maybe but not. he's also like one of the best in his position. So you if you're going to go out, you might as well go out not just to Walter Payton man of the year, but also as... A Super Bowl champion, so we're bring a big win. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. And then lastly in football news, the Hall of Fame inductees were announced, including Tony Boselli, Leroy Butler, Sam Mills, Richard Seymour, Bryant Young, Cliff Branch, which is a great name, yes. Art McNally, and Coach Dick Vermeil. Uh, oh, I thought I had it up here. About the one-timers that um, should have made it, uh, but missed it, like Tory Holt. Okay. Uh I don't know why he didn't make it in. Devin Hester also in there. I don't know why he didn't make it in. You feel like those are like shoe-ins, and yet, and yet they didn't make it. Didn't make it. There's always next year. But not to be outdone, and on this week of big football news, Major League Baseball was also all over the news for multiple, multiple reasons. <laughs> so, baseball is still in limbo. Yes. They have still not formally announced a delay of spring training because they say they have a, quote, meaningful counter-proposal being made by the league this weekend. Pitchers and catchers are still scheduled to report to training camp on Wednesday. Whether or not that actually happens remains to be seen. They also said that in federal court that minor league players should not be paid during spring training because they should be considered trainees. Note, this is the league saying this. Yes. I don't know if I agree. (laughs) This is a lawyer on the league's behalf behalf to the federal court system of the United States. So, okay. So, uh, also important to note that the, the commissioner of baseball also made a couple of uh, comments involving this deal. Yes. Basically saying that he is convinced that the league has determined that they will be introducing the uh, universal designated hitter rule starting next season. I didn't like that. Well, yeah, but it's still news. It yes. would potentially change the game a lot if this does happen. As it stands right now, the National League does not have a designated hitter. If this does happen, they would both be required to use the rule. Um, so, yeah. Um, 
you know, say as you say what you want about whether or not that actually yeah, funny. Uh, that actually makes a <laughs> yeah. makes a difference. Yeah. We're two weeks away from when spring training games are supposed spring to happen. Spring training are supposed to start in two weeks. Pitchers and catchers are supposed to report yeah. on Wednesday. So this all remains to be seen. We will hopefully know before next week whether any anything has moved here. Um, I try to see if there's currently like any new news like breaking. I don't think. Um, all I know right now is that um, is that yes, uh, the the players seem to still not have what they're looking for. Yep. A few of their things have not been answered. The league is still optimistic. And they think that they will be able to uh, do this before the season starts on March 31st. Whether or not that means spring training will happen, no one knows. And they really, really need to determine that now. I mean, yeah, I mean, they need to determine it this weekend. Otherwise, the lockout's still happening and pitchers and catchers don't report. So, yeah, it's an absolutely last minute thing here. But um, obviously, I'm still on the player's side if they. You know, if they still want their deal, like they, I'm glad that they're holding out for it because they deserve it. And the yep. owners don't. Period. Anyway, so we'll see what happens. We'll see what we'll happens. Update next week. Yep. Um, yeah, because we'll have more news on if there's going to be an actual lockout come next week. Yeah. We'll see. Okay, we'll see. In the meantime, the Winter Olympics are still happening in Beijing. So far, the medal count, Norway is your, in your lead with 17 medals, Germany at 14, and USA with 11. Yes, uh, Norway and Germany are currently at the top of the and gold medal count with seven well. each. Yes. Um, and USA, USA's Sean White, yeah. in his final snowboarding appearance in the halfpipe, failed to make the podium, coming right. in fourth place. So yeah, uh, Sean White... Uh, and Michaela Schifrin, I think, are the stories that yes. failed uh, gold attempts. However, Chloe Kim won hers. Yep. And in figure skating, Na- Nathan uh, Chen. Chen. Nathan Chen won his as well. So yes. for the free skate. So congratulations to the winners, and still congratulations to the losers because that still kicked ass. Yeah, you're still better than ninety nine point nine percent of the population. <laughs> I mean, there. yes. Important to keep in mind here. Yes. Um, it, on that Nathan Chen uh, figure skating goal yeah. that we watched. We watched it, too. Yeah, we watched it. Um, the top two were still 30 points ahead of third place. Uh-huh. It seemed unfair in judging, but yeah. also when you watch their performances, you're like, oh, shit, wow, yeah, that is damn good. Right, yeah, it was just incredible. Incredible performance, incredible uh, just a show of talent. Just Yeah, he's the best. He's the best for a reason. Yep. All right. Anything else in sports? Oh, well, you have something here that I think is sports entertainment. No, no. No, no, no this is NASCAR. This is NASCAR? Yes. I have no idea. It all sounds the same. <laughs> it kind of does. Joey Logano has won the Clash at the Coliseum. You can't blame me for not knowing what that is. Yes, the Clash at the Coliseum <laughs> was NASCAR inside uh, the, Coliseum? the Coliseum. Oh, no. Yes, the uh, Los Angeles Coliseum yeah. on a quarter-mile track, <laughs> which I attended. Nice. Um, also, um, in side uh, football news, AFC won the Pro Bowl, but then again, yeah. they didn't really yeah. play the Pro Bowl, sure. per se. Well. Uh, and I think, uh, was it the East won uh, the uh, All-Star game for the hockey. Right, well. for the NHL. Yeah. All right, well, anything else in sports before we move on to television news? Um, with the Clash of the Coliseum, um, that is an exhibition match. Uh-huh. The official start of NASCAR is mere weeks away nice. as Daytona 
will be the Daytona. home of the start of NASCAR season. Daytona. Anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that next week. In the meantime, let's um, talk about some television news. Or two weeks? Uh, it's in two weeks at the end of February. Um, last bit of TV news. Uh, not TV sports. sports news. Keep an eye out on soccer as the World Cup is quickly approaching uh-huh. for the summer. And teams are starting to qualify and win um, their cup division uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. to compete in the FIFA World Cup. Cool. Unless you don't want to support FIFA, in which case that news yeah. is not for you. That's fine. It's fine. Get it. All right, let's move out of sports and into television news. Speaking of things that people may be not wanting to support, Hulu has ordered 20 new episodes of the cult favorite adult animated sci-fi comedy series Futurama. Yet again. Good it's, news, everybody! Is it, though? No, it's we'll not. We'll get there. The revival hails from series creators David X. Cohen and Matt Groening. That's the good news. Original <laughs> series cast members Billy West, Katie Segal, Tress McNeil, Maurice LaMarche, Lauren Tom, Phil Lamar, and David Herman are all set to return. Though you're probably thinking, there's a name missing here. That's because notable cast member John DiMaggio, who voiced Bender and several other minor characters, is not on that list. Producers are hopeful for his return, but an individual with knowledge for the pro- of the project said a deal for DiMaggio's return is still being worked out at the time of the reboot's announcement. Should one not happen, Bender will be recast. The fans are divided about this. The fans are debating boycott so, if he's not brought back. Turns out, you don't have this in the story, but the reason is, is that he wants more money. Uh, alleged- I'm not shocked. Yeah. Allegedly... Uh, the the production company does not want to pay John DiMaggio more than they're paying Billy West and Katie Seagal. So and that is the hang-up. He is basically saying, I'm not going to do it unless you hit my number. And their number is lower. And until that gets solved, he's not going to work on So he project. wants more than the essential yeah. leads. Yeah, people in voice acting have also said on Twitter that they that they can confirm that there's been an ad out for casting for soundalikes, John DiMaggio soundalikes to be in the role of Bender here. So they are not even bothering with, like, really... Tr- it seems like they already have a backup plan in case that in they motion, cannot yeah. get him. But yeah, I think that a lot of fans are correct that if John DiMaggio is not in this, it doesn't seem like it's Futurama. It's not the real real deal. Um, I Personally, I didn't quite really care for the Comedy Central reboot when they did that either. So I'm like completely off of this. Like I don't care what they do with Futurama. In my mind that was a four season show. In my mind they have <laughs> so, written five different endings for right. Futurama depending on where you want to stop. So like how how many times do you have to reboot something? It's not even the second time. It's the third time. I don't know. So Third time on a different network? I'm glad, so? I'm glad people are excited for potentially new Futurama and I'm glad they have the creators back. But so, as excited as you all may be out there, and please <laughs> a fan of Futurama that I am, yeah. I am not excited about this. Yeah. Because I have seen what Hulu did with Animaniacs and bringing yeah. that back, uh-huh. and I don't want that for Futurama. Yeah, I mean, I don't know anymore. It's like, I'm glad the fans are happy, but we will see what happens. Um, I don't want it. I mean, it's not, it's not even the uh, John DiMaggio part. Right. Like how that is, is the fact that you bring it back. You ended on such a good right. note. They did it twice. You, did, you ended on two good notes <laughs> twice on two different occasions. It's like you can't keep doing this to us. Anyway, Ugh. let's move on though. Speaking of uh, keep keep doing it to us, 
Bill Lawrence continues to be an extremely popular and successful producer for television. He has now inked a new five-year, nine-figure overall deal with Warner Brothers TV. All right, how big is nine figures? That's a lot of figures. It's at minimum $100 million <laughs> over five years. He's going to be incredibly rich. If he's not already. Yeah, if he's not already. So Lawrence's new pact with the studio will begin in 2023 after his current five-year deal expires and will then run through 2028. Sources note Lawrence, who had been seeking a salary bump since last fall, received multiple offers from other outlets that put pressure on Warners to re-sign one of the studio's most prolific creators for his fourth deal there. Further helping Lawrence's case is his ability, not inability, his That's ability far from an inability. Yes, to juggle multiple projects, in addition to Emmy-winning Ted Lasso, a media boat favorite, media Ted boat favorite Ted Lasso, Lawrence also has the animated Clone High revival, yes, that's still happening, mm -hmm. and delivered the short-lived Head of the Class update for HBO Max. He also recently set Shrinking, a comedy starring Jason Segel, who writes alongside Goldstein, for which you don't have uh, John, Jeff Goldstein. Jeff Goldstein. Okay. Who, which, um, Ted Lasso. Oh, right. Which joins Bad Monkey with Vince Vaughn at Apple. So, uh, yeah, he's uh, going to continue working with Warner. It seems like a good mm -hmm. uh, partnership that he has over there. And it makes sense for him to stick around if they're going to give him $100 million to do it. Um, so, yeah, all, all power to him. He's really making a career for himself. Yeah, it's, I mean... When you're good at writing TV, and you're really good at writing yeah. comedy TV, and not just that, but award-winning comedy TV, you can't get better than that. Yeah, fifteen years now, right? It's well deserved. It's a long time coming, but yeah. also it just shows that when you get your craft and you hone your craft, yeah, it pays out in the end. It pays out in the long run. Good for him. Which means yes, we get more Bill Lawrence stuff. I'm yes. excited for that. Excited for that. All right. That wraps it up for television news, but we have a couple thoughts to talk about. All right, so I'm going to get with the downer first before we start talking about yeah. the good stuff. Yes. All right. Uh, you have finished reading the book of Boba Fett. Uh, I have. You have turned the last page. You've closed it. And I want to put this book on the shelf and never look at it again. <laughs> I heard that this thing takes a turn so, uh, in the middle of the season. All right. I want to sum this up in one sentence. Okay. The best thing about the book of Boba Fett is not even Boba Fett. Okay. And that is a problem. Yeah. It's... So, the first several episodes um, focus on Boba Fett, but it does a dual thing of trying to do how he survived the Sarlacc pit and kind of bring up on his is adventure and kind of revival amongst the Sand People while also trying to tell a forward-looking plot of, I want to say current day, but <laughs> new timeline, sure. new stories in current Tatooine Montessa. So that way they can link it with other, let's say, stories that are currently happening in the Star, Trek, Star Wars universe. Well, no, because we saw him in yes. The Mandalorian Season right. 2. Exactly. So this book of Boba Fett takes place after his appearance in that show. Yeah. But also tells the story of his time before arriving on that show. Right. The problem is that both the flashback and the forward present time in the show don't match up. They're telling two completely different stories. 
It's not, oh, like we just had this lesson. Here's how it's going to reflect it front and back on his adventures. Uh-huh. They're two disconjoined stories, but need is a strong word. <laughs> have, have to is kind of mediocre at best. Stories that need to be that are being told to us about what happened to Boba Fett and how he became the way he is. Mm-hmm. Is it necessary? I don't think so. <laughs> and I think that's the problem that we get, is that a lot of the new stuff that we see like happening in the current, uh, in the contemporary timeline, don't all match up with the flashback timeline. Yeah. there's So the episodes feel like you're getting two episodes in one, which is kind of good for content, but also if the stories don't link in any significant way, mm-hmm. it's jarring. And yeah. it, you, you're butting heads against two different stories. Right. Then, about halfway through, it becomes Mando Fett. <laughs> yes. As Mandalorian, spoilers, Yeah, we should just say spoilers up. for Book of Boba Fett if you have not finished it. Oh. I mean, this is the finale. If you're yeah. not finishing it, whatever. <laughs> if you haven't finished it, if you're not caught up, you're probably not going to finish it. Fair enough. Um, but yes, Mando shows up, and we kind of get Mando season 2.5. Right. Essentially. Um, and it the back half of the series pivots into what's going to be uh, Mandalorian Season 3 because it needs to set up that since when we last left Mando Season 2 mm-hmm. everything was kind of what felt like a good finale but then they said hey we're not done telling stories here so we have more stories over there so it's so that's what I'm saying like the best thing about the book of Boba Fett is not Boba Fett even in it it's really they're secretly giving you more of another Mandalorian season just not yes. telling you that Yes, I mean we knew that was gonna happen. It's a, yeah. one of the best shows on Disney Plus. How's it not gonna happen? It's just it's it's frustrating to me that they're not just like doing the whole pitch of about these series. It was supposed to be like telling different stories. The fact that they're already like taking that back and being like, "Well, we're telling some new stories, but really we're going to tell the stories that you are already." The fact like. that season <laughs> one needs Mando steroid boost to get people. Excited about watching yeah, your show. That's sad. Is yeah. a bad You're right. calling. It's sad, especially when, like the, it just makes you think like when what are they going to do with the Obi Wan show? Then is that also going to tie into something existing? Well, if they have like, the Obi Wan show, it also takes place on Tatooine. Yes, I know. Spoilers. I'm glad you brought this up because this has been a hot topic on the internet the last couple of weeks. But yes, there was a, a there's this article that's been getting passed around where the headline is. Star Wars has a Tatooine problem. Yes. It's because everything is always set there. There's so many other worlds you can explore. And that's my problem. That's why I, re- I really love Mandalorian. Because it's exploring all the other worlds, all the other possibilities in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. It's not beholden to Tatooine. And yeah, here we are, back on Tatooine. Yeah, here we are, back on Tatooine. So, yeah, I don't know. It's depressing, and I'm not even watching this, but, like, it's depressing to hear to me that, like, the whole pitch about this was now we have the freedom to tell all sorts of different stories in serial format about Star Wars. Well, see, this is one of the good things about the yeah. book of is that it did right. allow Dave Filoni to bring in characters from the comic books, right. from uh, Clone Wars, uh, the yeah. TV series, stuff that he played with and enjoys reading and yeah. watching and creating right. into a live action universe. But the Star Wars shows on Disney Plus have the same problem that the Marvel shows on Disney Plus have. And we talked about it then, too. Which is, you can only tell original, fun, experimental content so long until you have to tie it into the shit people like. Yes, and as so soon you as tie you're it making, into the movies. 
it's a, as soon as you make that compromise, you lose the excitement and the joy of telling new stories. Mm -hmm. You throw that all out the window to hit nostalgia or to hit the, the, like that, that pleasure center of the people who love the Avengers or the people who loved the, the sequel trilogy. Yes. There's it's one episode in uh, Book of Fett specifically that has nothing but nostalgia dump yeah. on you. Yeah. And I'm sitting there like, this is nostalgia dump. Yeah. Nostalgia. This is nostalgia dump. And then at the end, I was like, I didn't like that episode. It was just nostalgia dump. And then I look online, and guess what I see? Yeah. Everybody loves it. Everyone loves it because it it's a nostalgia dump. That's what they want. Yeah. They're making it for that fan, unfortunately. And I guess we just have to. I, but that's, that's the fan that is ruining yeah. Star Wars, though. Yes, I know, but the, but that's the thing is that they, that, that's where my frustration comes is that they pitched all of this as an opportunity for new shit, and all these series have always started on that, but they always end at the same place, yeah. which is always end as we need to remind people of the things that they used to like. Yep, it's a problem, and I hope that they feel that out and hopefully they fix it but I feel like they're having such success doing it why would they change? Why would they do anything different? Well that's what like Dave Filoni and uh, did with all of this with like the exception of Mandalorian yeah is that it did feel, feel new it did feel fresh you were for a hot new. second until it for didn't for a hot second until <laughs> it reminded you yes it's the division problem is what I'll call it because it was the first thing to do it <sighs> yeah because it was all good until the yeah. last two episodes where they tied it back in <laughs> yeah. to the Marvel. It's like, oh, we have to set up the next thing. Yep. We got to set up Doctor Strange here. So, yeah. You know she's going to appear in it. And this is why the metaverse sucks. <laughs> because it has to be tied. Everything it has to be exist on its own outside. Unlike yeah. Pokemon Legend Arceus, which can exist <laughs> yes, on its own outside. Exactly. But even then, that's it still, still ties, to... yeah, it ties in. I'm not saying it's not doing that either. I'm just saying like it's really obvious when Disney is doing it yes. right now. Anyway. Because well, but... uh, as, as we said on here, these, this stuff is just commercial stuff yeah. to buy the products. But, but I'm happy to tell you that now we get to segue into a different show. That is 100% original. Okay, here we go. Is not attached to anything that's a franchise. Exists on its own. Is doing it in a wild, experimental style. And I think it's the best TV show I've seen in a very long time. So, we talked... So, we mentioned Bill Lawrence here. Yeah. I actually did this... I it just happened <laughs> on purpose. Yes. That we like Bill Lawrence and we like what he's done. We did, like we did with uh, Scrub and like we did with, with Ted Lasso. We like creators who have the ability... And freedom to tell these kind of stories, especially comedic stories. Yeah. Now, one of our favorite, yes. Meet about favorite, um, like hands down, mm -hmm. um, duo out there in Hollywood right now is Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Yes. Lord Miller, as yeah. we call them on this podcast. Well, after having a fantastic year producing Mitchell's versus the Machines, which has now been nominated for a Oscar for Best Animated Film. Mm -hmm. Having produced um, and directed, mm -hmm. I believe, Star Wars Into the Spider-Verse. Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> Spider-Man into, into the Star Wars-verse. <laughs> I'm looking at Boba Fett here. Your brain hurts. <laughs> Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yes, thank you. Star Wars. <laughs> and then producing. Yeah. Please don't wish that into existence. Please don't. <laughs> Disney, don't do that. Don't do it. Anyways. No, Disney don't have the IP to, to Spider-Man. 
But yeah, after having a hot few years, they're back on television, their origin story. Yes. <laughs> and um, with a show that, like I said, is adventurous, which is experimental, and so, so, so funny. Apple TV Plus's The After Party. So, basic premise here. A uh, a reunion, a 15-year-old, a 15-year reunion for the class of 2006. Yes, they're making shit for us now. Um, yes. <laughs> is, uh, is basically having an after party. One of the people at the, uh, one of the, the, the alumni is a, now a famous pop star. Secretly, though, has basically, um, everybody at the, the attending this, uh, after party has a little bit of a grudge against him. And he mysteriously dies during the after party. So, dun, dun, dun. who done it? So you follow a um, a pair of uh, detectives detective. uh, who are trying to figure out who did it by interviewing each of the partygoers. And all of them have different stories about what went down that night. And even sometimes before that night. Um, and they all differ in classic murder mystery style. Except one thing, but the television show takes advantage of this by doing a brilliant thing. With each of these stories. A different genre for every story is told. In the in the, in the pilot, <laughs> they uh, Tiffany Hash is the detective here, and yeah. she specifically says that tell your movie right. version. Yes. Tell your movie story. And that's what they do. And that's what they do. So, I love that yes. they, they flat out say this it's is so what we're good. doing. So where you're gonna enjoy it. So one week somebody uh, tells the story as a romantic comedy. One week somebody tells the story as an action movie. One week, somebody tells the story as a musical, etc., 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 and so you're. And but but it doesn't just feel like a one-off retelling. Every single one of these stories also gives you, the viewer, more hints about what actually happened. The puzzle starts coming together, so it works as a comedy, but also as a legitimate mystery. Mm-hmm. I still have no idea who did it, and I'm like five episodes into this thing. Yeah. It's really smartly written. It's smartly done. All of the characters are interesting in their own way. Even characters who think that they're really one-dimensional in the first episode get fleshed out as you continue going on. And you realize, oh wait, that person really is like a scumbag because of XYZ, or this person actually is redeemed and is redeemable and now that I know their story. And like it keeps snowballing bigger and bigger every week. So you not only get the fun of seeing the experimental, like what they do with shooting a different style, whether that means, oh, a different kind of lighting. The little things where characters are literally wearing different clothes in certain scenes because of the style of story they're telling. Or even things where it's like, the same scene will happen, but slightly pivoted in a different way because of the person telling it. It's fascinating television. It's fascinating the way that they thought of every single moving part. It's clearly like they've been working on this script for a long time mm-hmm. because every little bit of it works in a perfect way. And also, it's one of the funniest scripts on TV in a long time. It helps when you have some of the funniest people <laughs> right. uh, running around. Oh, and the, cast, here. The, cast the cast is, is killing it. Excellent here. Um, like some newcomers, some uh, tried and true. Uh, like uh, Alana. Yeah, uh, yes, Alana Glazer uh, of Broad City is a, a highlight here. Ben Schwartz just oh, wow. acting his ass off in the Ben Schwartz fashion. Probably the best and most perfect role he's had to this point. 
just uh, just uh, uh, just just an amazing cast. Yep. Uh, Sam Richardson coming off of yes. his uh, recent role in Ted Lasso. Just very very charming here, and completely different than his Ted Lasso character. Yes, <laughs> it's almost weird. That I didn't even realize it was him until like week two because of how different those characters can be. Yep. Um, but yeah, just like killer cast. Yep. Um, Dave Franco as the Dave Franco the, the, the rock star douchebag. It's just it's 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 really well done. Um, I've caught up completely. I'm up to the currently released fifth episode. You, however, are behind. But I'm behind for a good reason. Yes, because this is one of the few series that my doctor agrees that we should watch together. She is fully invested in the murder mystery of what happens. I thought it would be kind of my kind of show, but no. I think it's because the, the lead detective, Tiffany yes, Hedge, yes. the strong female lead here, trying to pull all the, the threads and keep everything yeah. together, is keeping her interested in this. Yeah. And it's a murder mystery. We yeah. like yes. uh, Only Murders in the Building. Yes. And this is a great, if not better, version of that. Yeah, I mean, it works on both levels. It works as a comedy and it works as a mystery. And I think, not since Knives Out, yes. which I think is a good frame of reference here. If you really enjoyed Knives Out and want a television that has similar vibes, a show that has similar vibes, this is absolutely it. But also, if you like the kind of broad comedy that Lord and Miller typically put their names on, mm-hmm. this is also that. It's all of this in a blender. And it somehow works. And somehow works perfectly. I'm amazed not enough people are talking about this. Maybe it's because it's isolated on Apple TV. But then again, so is Ted Lasso. So I'm like, this yeah, should be... Yeah, but people were talking about Ted Lasso right. until it started getting award buzz. Like, oh, yeah. let's all this. Let's all check it out. I think that this should be on people's radar, just like Ted Lasso, if not more so. Mm-hmm. I am enjoying the hell out of this show. I can't wait for more. And I can't wait to see how they nail this landing, because yes. I literally, like I said, I have no idea what's going to happen. It needs to nail the landing. If it doesn't stick the landing, yeah. this can be written as a one-off. Right, but... I want this to keep going forever. I love mm-hmm. it so much. So yeah, after party's great. Yep, after party on Apple TV Plus. Yes. Um, weekly episodes every Friday. Yes. We'll talk about the finale when the finale happens. Okay. Uh, I think it's eight episodes. That's what I'm currently seeing on IMDb. That would make sense. That's uh, typical for Apple TV. Yep. I think they said five are currently out. So yeah, five are out. Three weeks would be at the end of the month. Uh, one, two, yeah. So. This is three. We'll talk about it on the fifth then. Yeah. Five, right. six, seven, eight. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, excited to see that. Yep. Have you been watching anything else? Uh, just Olympics. Um, still got a couple things on my list to do. I still got to watch that uh, Will Arnett improv murder thing. Oh, yeah. I did watch Netflix. that. I you did watch that. that? Yeah. Murderville. Yeah. You don't want to talk about Murderville yeah. real quick before we move on? I'll talk about Murderville real quick. Um, I've heard very good things. So... Speaking of murders. Speaking of murders. <laughs> probably, it's probably, I was like, yeah, there was something else that I yeah, watched this week. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Um, so, I'm very disdain for Will Arnett. I'm not trying to learn from that on this podcast. <laughs> you know this. I don't know. He's good, on, uh, he's good as the host on, um, on Lego, Lego Masters. Masters. <laughs> yes. But, yeah, I didn't really enjoy his... It's his style and comedic way he comes yeah. across. It can be very fun and brutal. Um, see Bojack Horseman. Uh, so, this is not at all like that. This is more murder mystery in a kind of interactive style, uh, where there is some, like, plot points given away, 
but it's also an interactive of whodunit with different celebrities coming in as the co-detective. You have like yeah. um, Conan O'Brien, Marshawn Lynch, Ken Jong, Kamel uh, <laughs> Nanjiani coming in, and they're his new um, uh, detective uh, part. a new detective partner, and a murder has happened in Murderville. And it's up to the well, new detective to take these interactive kind of yeah. escape room-esque clues given <laughs> to them right. and determine who the murderer is from the three prime suspects at yeah. the end of the episode. There's no cash prize or no reward for it, but it is fun, very improv-heavy right. with these comedians uh, and different people to... Not only like get the information out, but for you as an audience member to like pick up on the different clues of what's going on and like oh like here's all the info done from the beginning. How much mm-hmm. of it can you remember by the end to to determine who you think the murderer is? Right. And then at the end, they always tell you like here's the clues you were supposed to be looking for. So it is very right. escape room like yeah. and kind of murder mystery dinner like right, right, right. where. You're on this adventure with these key actors, but you're also kind of in the role of the guest star um, yeah. to also solve the murder mystery. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. It it's like light, a fun premise. It's like comedy. It's fun. Um, not so much passive as I would have expected uh, because you are kind of invested in trying to find out who the murderer is too, right, right. in the story that they're telling. Okay. All right. Um, I think some of the clues are kind of obvious, especially if you know what you're looking for. Sure. But then again, if you don't know what you're looking for, and you're just like watching as a TV show, not really paying right. attention, yeah. it's like, oh, by the time the reveal comes, here's what you should have been looking like, for. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And then you kind of pick it up like for the next episode. It's like, okay, next episode, I'm going to be more attentive here. It's funny that you brought up murder, dis- uh, murder mystery dinners and stuff like that, and like games like that. Because I was just talking to Christy. About this yesterday, I was like, we just don't like the ones where you actually have to, where nobody knows, and you have to figure out if you, if you did it. Like <laughs> you, it's like you have personality things that you yeah. have to go off, but that's all you have to go off. It's like kind of like participating in one of those, but not actually having to do anything. Which <laughs> yeah. sounds great because yeah. we were both talking about how annoying those are. <laughs> or you might be the murderer. Yeah, exactly. Yes. It's like, well, now I don't have to worry about it. I can watch these two do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds like fun. It sounds like a really fun thing. Yeah, it's fun. Um, the kind of wacky situations they get in and the, the improv that they get in is very funny. Yeah. Um, but also, like, it can at times be kind of cringeworthy because sure. they're trying to get a, across certain information right. to, without to the person without them outright. telling them outright. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of talking around things. Yeah. That's fun. One show I just remembered that uh, also premiered this week. Um, just real quick, and I won't go long on it. Uh, Primetime Jeopardy is finally here. Um, the oh, thing yeah. that they hinted College at, College Jeopardy. Yeah, at the beginning of the year when we talked about um, me and Maya Bialik being given the primetime host slot. Mm-hmm. Well, that began this week with the College Championship. Uh, so yeah, that is happening. It's called the College Championship, right? Yeah, it's, I believe so. Uh, so yeah, that is primetime. It happens at eight o'clock, uh, and yeah, it's a two in a row is how they're doing it, back okay. to back, two rounds, so for an hour show. Okay, so yeah, so I just want to mention that that's happening. So. All right. Yeah, so, um, yeah, 32 different college students across the U.S. Yeah. will compete for top college prize. It's a good way to bring in the summer. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah. Anything else in television before we move on to cancellations and renewals? 
I mean, how much of the Winter Olympics are you actually watching? I guess that's a big question. We're watching a lot. Uh, we're, we're, we try to watch a little every night. Okay. I, I feel like I end up watching maybe an hour every night. Yeah. Uh, Peacock's been good, too, because if they don't show some of it, they'll have the raw footage on Peacock. Yeah. So we just watched raw, like, all of the free skate. Oh, nice. It's like four hours worth of free skate. We <laughs> skipped through some of it. Because they even just leave a camera there while they're redoing the ice. Redoing the ice? Yeah, it's yeah. obnoxious how much. <laughs> it feels like you're there watching the event live. It's very cool. But it's not commentated. So it's very much like you're just kind of watching while it's happening. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of awkward. But uh, but it's cool that that's available to you. That Peacock is doing that as a service. So yeah, we've watched a lot. Uh, I might watch them when they do kind of like the hockey finale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's coming up. All right, that's it for television. Let's move into cancellations and renewals. All right, what am I no longer watching? Well, Vice is bringing uh, Vice is bringing back Showtime. Showtime is bringing back Vice for another two seasons. That'll be a fourth fourth season. Uh, Secrets of Sulphur Springs is getting a third season on Disney. I'm not sure how I feel about this. I mean, they kind of did shoot in a third season, but they also didn't need to shoot in a third season. Well, guess what? It's happening. It's happening. A recent viral hit, That's My Jam, is getting a second season on is NBC. Is that a viral hit? I mean, Jimmy Fallon, anything he touches is automatically a viral hit. Really? Uh, the clips we... are that, that his shit are all, the, all over the place. Ugh, why? Yeah. Prime Video is bringing back Reacher for a second season. Uh, that, uh, I think the first season just premiered. did. Uh, yes, starring uh, Alan, Alan Richson. Yes. Richson, something like that. Yeah. Love Victor will be getting a third and final season. Come on, on say his Hulu. proper name. Love, comma, Victor. Yes. And How To with John Wilson will get a third season on HBO. Almost Paradise will be getting a second season of IMDb TV. Note, a uh, story went out this week that IMDb TV will likely get a new name soon. Mm-hmm. They're going to be rebranding it. Southside will be getting a third season on HBO Max as well. And a couple of deaths this week. We first have Jeremy Giambi, age 47, MLB player for the Athletics, brother of Jason, right? Correct. Yes. Um, Jeremy Giambi is also, if that name sounds familiar, it's because he watched Moneyball. Yes, that too. <laughs> yes. And then also George Crumb, age 92, composer, wrote uh, Ancient Voices of Children and Black Angels, won a Grammy back in 2001. Yep. There we go. Let's move out of television and into our last segment here today, which is movies. And we always start the movie section with the weekend box office numbers. Well, goodbye, Spider-Man, because you have a number, a new number one, finally, after weeks of waiting. And it's Jackass Forever? Johnny Knoxville? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I saw a funny joke that's going to be funny to some of our audience and maybe mean nothing to other people. Somebody's called Jackass Forever, Johnny Knoxville's End of Evangelion, which I thought was really <laughs> funny. Um, $23 million debut this week. Uh, so not bad, I guess. Number two, Moonfall with a $9.8 million debut. Yep. Down to number three now, Spider-Man No Way Home with another $9.5 million. That's at $748 million domestic. Yeah, I don't know. It's still to number three. Oh no, what are we going to do? <laughs> And number four, Scream with another $4.7 million. That's at 68 And Sing 2, coming back to the top five this week, with $4.2 million with $139 million domestic. So no, far, it was four last week. It was dropped up. Oh, uh, okay. I thought it had dropped off for some reason. Oh, you know what it was? I was thinking of the... The Kingsman, that dropped off. I was thinking of Oscar nominees, because Sing 2 is not nominated. That's yes. what I was thinking. 
it dropped off of that. <laughs> Upcoming this week is a couple of a couple of movies here. We have Dog, not to be confused with the power of the dog. No, this is Dog this starring is dog. Channing Tatum. Yes, Channing Tatum's Dog. But of course, finally, after a long wait, Uncharted, based on the uh, Sony Naughty Dog series, finally getting its movie release. Uh, not looking good for Uncharted. Early reviews are middling at best. What? Middling reviews yes. for a globetrotting uh, adventure? For a video game adaptation? Who would guess? <laughs> so yeah, uh, maybe viewer beware on Uncharted. Alright, that's it for the uh, upcoming movies. Let's move into some casting bits. One of our favorite reoccurring segments here on the uh, podcast. The bits, the bits, the bits. First up, Simu Liu and America Ferrera, Ferrera have joined Greta Gerwig's Barbie film. Yes, that is Simu Liu. Sure, yes. Uh, hot off of Shang-Chi. Aha. And America Ferrera, famous for being America Ferrera. So yep. congratulations to them. That'll be still a weird thing that Greta Gerwig is directing a Barbie movie. Well, because it also stars Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling. Yeah. So... Meanwhile, Zendaya, who is white hot right now, Josh O'Connor and Mike Feist. Feist? 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 Feist. Feist. To star, uh, will be starring in a tennis drama film called Challengers by Luca Guadagino? Guadagnino? Guadagnino? Guadagnino. Uh, who, of course, was from uh, Call Me By Your Name. The Oscar nominated yes. Call Me By Your Name. So there you go. You got Zendaya, well, the iron is hot, I suppose. Uh, Zendaya, sorry. Kingsley Ben Adir from One Night in Miami mm-hmm. will be starring in a Bob Marley biopic. Yes, as the titular biopic. I mean, that does make sense. <laughs> Issa Rae and Ashton Kutcher will be starring in BJ Novak's comed- comedic thriller Vengeance. Okay. That's a weird pairing for all yeah. three of them. Sure, why not? And Adam Driver, Penelope Cruz, and Shaylee Woodley have joined Michael Mann's next film, Ferrari. About the f- Ferrari. About Ferrari. So they were just going to put Adam Driver as a driver. A driver <laughs> of a Ferrari. Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, the role he was born to play. <laughs> All right. But that's, of course, not the biggest news in movies this week because, as I mentioned, the Oscar nominees are out. We now know who are the leaders in the field going forward in award season to the biggest award night of the year mm-hmm. for movies. Netflix's The Power of the Dog leads the field with 12 nominations, followed by Dune with 10. West Side Story and Belfast both received 7, right behind them. All four films will compete in the race for Best Picture, alongside Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, also nominated in the foreign film uh, Mm -hmm. category, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, and Nightmare Alley. With Belfast, Kenneth Branagh became the first person to earn 7 Oscar nominations in 7 different categories. He was nominated for directing, producing, and writing the original screenplay for this film. Best Actor is a race between Hollywood heavyweights Denzel Washington for The Tragedy of Macbeth and Will Smith for King Richard, along with respected veterans such as Javier Bardem, Javier Javier. Bardem, hard to say in quick succession, Andrew Garfield for Tick, Tick, Boom, and Benedict Cumberbatch for The Power of the Dog. Best Actress will be a contest between Penelope Cruz, Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter, Nicole Kidman for Being the Ricardos, and Kristen Stewart for Spencer. The 98th Annual Academy Awards will be on March 27th at Hollywood's Dolby Theater. 
Ninety four is Andrew. Ninety four. I said ninety eight. Ninety eight. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, a weird year. I feel like it's gonna be one of those where like everybody's like, eh, who cares? Because so many of the films nominated for Best Picture are more niche, smaller releases. Not a whole lot of big You're right. crowd pleasers here. Crowd pleaser it's the one exception. Yes. It's the one exception. But it's the one that took Spider Man's yeah. spot. If that if that's why you're crying over. And I hate to break it to you, but Dune was better than Spider Man. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen Spider Man, but I liked Dune. Um, yeah, it's an interesting bunch of nominees this year. I'm trying to think of what some of the notable things were. Uh, notable is that uh, Jesse Plemons and um, Kristen Dunst, who yes. are married, yes. are both nominated for supporting roles for Power of the Dog. Yep. Uh, I do like that Andrew Garfield did get the leading actor yes. nomination. That was not something that I saw coming. Um, I saw uh, one uh, in an uh, animated feature watch, as it's one of our favorite categories here, yep. three Disney nominees this year. Encanto, Luca, and uh, Raya are all nominated here, fighting against each other. Which means, fingers crossed, they'll split the vote and Mitchells versus the Machines will win. <laughs> I'm fingers crossed here. It's going to be in Kato. I know it's going to be in Kato. In fact, on my, on my prediction spreadsheet, I already have in Kato as a lock. But yes. man, do I want it. I want to be, uh, like, I just want Mitchells versus the Machines to get an upset here. You want the split. It's not going to get yeah. the split, though. The other thing, on EGOT Watch. Then yes. Manuel Miranda is nominated again in the original song category for Encanto's um, entry yes. here, which means that if he wins, he gets the EGOT. Is he just missing the Oscar? He's just missing the Oscar. Ooh. Christy is on EGOT watch for him because she still thinks he was uh, robbed over the Mo- Moana year. Over the Moana year? Yeah. Yeah. So she's crossing fingers for EGOT for him. Um, meanwhile, just notable. Yeah. Yeah, um, notable in directing. Yes. Uh, Kenneth Bragnell for Belfast. Yes. Uh, Ryunsuke Hagamachi, Hagamuchi, sorry yes. for driving my car. PTA, Paul Thomas Anderson for mm-hmm. Licorice Pizza. Jane Campion yes. for Power of the Dog. Mm-hmm. And Steven Spielberg, West Side Story. Notable action yes. here. Denis Villeneuve yes. for Doom. Weird snub. I'm not sure why that happened. I'll tell you why that happened. Well, maybe, but uh, I don't That's know. why that happened. Maybe, but I, I think that uh, it's a weird, weird, weird choice considering that he uh, was one. Also, uh, drive <laughs> my car as your lock for foreign film. Oh, yes. It, our rule here at the Medieval Podcast is if you are nominated in Best Picture and you're also nominated in foreign film, you have to win foreign film. It's yep. required. Yes. Um, yeah, so I think the only other uh, notable stories, I think, going into this, um, I mean, if Jane Campion wins uh, Best Director, she'll be only the second female director to ever win, mm-hmm. which is... Uh, uh, Catherine Bigelow, which happened right. 12 years ago. Yes, believe it or not. Um, so, yeah, like, uh, I'm trying to think of other stories here. Uh, interesting story is that uh, Flea yes. nominated yes. for both documentary feature and animated film. Because it is an animated documentary. So yes. it could be your outside choice for documentary this year. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised. Also, uh... For some reason, Don't Look Up is nominated in a lot of shit, but I'll get to that. <laughs> um, because Netflix had a lot of marketing, apparently. Except it's not the one they should be putting their whole ass into. But again, I'll get there. Yes. Uh, yeah, um, weird, weird year. Uh, yeah, so I think those Ogritos... That's, yeah, I feel like it has a chance. I mean, um, it's going to be hard to beat Beyonce. Yeah, Beyonce. Oh, Beyonce's first Oscar yeah. uh, nomination. Also, Billie Eilish. 
Yes, for no could win an Oscar here as well. So yeah, it's definitely a strange year, um, but I'm calling it right now. This is Power of the Dog Night, baby. You think so? Power of the Dog sweep. That's you, my prediction. You, you're predicting Power of the Dog. Uh, Not necessarily every single category. And I know, yes, Netflix this has difficulties in the past, but we are years away from the Roma fiasco. Fiasco. We are three years out from Roma fiasco. I know, but you know what happened in between then? The pandemic, the pandemic baby. Happened. And I think that's changed everything. Everything is streaming now. It doesn't yeah. matter. The, the 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 Academy had its hand forced. The fact that two. Netflix films are represented here is really telling. Mm-hmm. And I think that, yeah, I think that this is, this is Power of the Dog Night. Okay. Like it or, like now, it or not. Where are your writing categories at? Um, so this is tough this year because what you see is a lot of the same names in Best Picture and Adapted. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, in both. I think that this is probably the year where you get a nod to a PTA for original. I think that he has a chance for his licorice pizza. Uh, script, okay. or it's in, or it's Belfast, or it's Belfast. I don't think Adam McKay has a chance. I'll get there again later. Yes. Um, adapted, I think, is a toss-up for me. I think there's a strong chance for Jane Campion here for Power of the Dog, but also I think if this is if the Emmy Award is going to go to Coda, I think it's here. Okay. So I'm split, is what I'm saying. I'm not 100% sure on the right category. We'll see where it's uh, awards fall as we get closer to yes. Oscars. We will. Yep. And Oscars are a month away. As we said, March 27th. Yes. Now, All right. you did some Oscar catch-up Yes, it's some catch-up. Netflix. Some, yes, with the Netflix films that are on offer. Uh, so I watched uh, Don't Look Up, and I watched, right after it, The Power of the Dog. Which one do you want to start with? Well, they're completely different movies. First exactly. So I did, like, you could with... not put back-to-back any more different movies. I will start with uh, Don't Look Up because, holy shit, what a waste of my time. What a waste of your time? All right, so, real briefly, because I know we're, we're buttoned up at the end of the show here. Um, we're buttoned up. Oh, we got ten minutes. Yeah, we got ten minutes. Um, but yeah, so, Don't Look Up, Adam McKay, uh, directing and writing here. Um, kind of his, like, satire follow-up to his previous films, including um, Academy Award nominee, um, the, big the Big Short. short. Um, it does not reach the highs of that movie, uh, needless to say. Well, I mean, The Big Short was kind of like a documentary right. of, of sorts. This is, he's trying a similar concept here, which is take a real thing and satirize it mm-hmm. and try to explain, I guess, in his own weird comedic voice to, uh, like, why we should care. Except this time, he's taking the metaphorical approach. Yes. Don't Look Up wants so badly to be clever. It wants so badly to be, oh, look what we're doing. This is really a great, like, Onion-style satire of the real world. What it actually is doing is it's trying to be another idiocracy. It's trying to come at it thinking it's more clever than it is. I have a lot of problems with this movie. This is the first, the cast? The cast is ridiculous. (laughs) Sort of like the after party uh, when we were talking about that. They crammed in every celebrity that you can imagine here. You have a almost unrecognizable at first uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, who's playing against type mm-hmm. for the bulk of the film, paired with a absolutely cast for type Jennifer Lawrence, who is just Jennifer Lawrence through the entire thing. Jennifer Lawrence with the nose ring. Yeah, no reach at all. No, like, 
she was barely acting in this thing because it's basically they just cast, hey, let's have Jennifer Lawrence do a Jennifer Lawrence character. And then literally everybody you can imagine on the, the periphery. Like Meryl Streep is in this. Jonah Hill is in this. Jonah Hill is in this. Uh, just waste, wasted character after wasted character just kind of existing on the side while you see these Tyler two. Tyler Perry shows up. Tyler Perry shows up. It's just... And it wants so badly to be thought of. Like, the script is very, like, clearly, like, look how smart I am. Because it's obviously, and all, this is not a really a spoiler, because this is all of the, the press for this movie has told, told you this. It is a metaphor for global warming. It uses a the threat of a meteor about to hit Earth in, like, six months or so. I forget exactly what the timeline yeah. is in the movie. As the backdrop for, hey, what if the world did see something catastrophic, right, that was going to happen no matter what they did, that science has proven, what would happen if we were given a smaller timetable? Basically, the idea of global warming, but fast-forwarded to a six-month period. What would humanity do? And the answer, and McKay purports, is that they would ignore it. Like, people would be divided on political lines, they would make up reasons to ignore it, they would come up with ways to just... Continue life as normal, even though they knew everyone was going to die. That's yeah. basically the idea. Not just that, but they would find somebody to make a profit. Yeah, it's not a bad premise for a movie. It is true, because that is what's happening with global warming. It's very true. And what we've seen, especially in the Trump era, is that people will use any excuse, and even with the vac vaccinations for the COVID pandemic, we've seen how people will take something proven by science and disregard the science and go on political sides about it for no reason. Yes, all that is true. But the heavy-handed way at every single time, at every single moment, every single opportunity that the script does something about this, it's distractingly obvious. Every joke, every punchline in the script is so obvious, you don't laugh at it. You just go, yeah, that is the joke there. That's the feeling I had through watching this entire movie is, yes, that is the joke you do here. Not, haha, that's funny, or that's clever. It's, yeah, no, that's obvious. It was a big, ham-fisted, yes. mouthful way yes. of getting their not-subtle joke across. Yes. The one thing this movie is missing throughout the at least the first two-thirds of it, the first two acts especially, is the feeling that humans wrote it. And what I mean by that is... It's so high concept and so over the top and so dedicated to being a satire first that it doesn't feel like humans would act like this. Yes, theoretically, like the end zone here is something that's realistic, but it's so over the top and so obvious that you never feels like, yeah, but that part of this would never actually happen. This part is a little, this is a little wonky. Like, for example, they come up with fake brands for every single time there's a brand in this. Mm -hmm. Why? You don't have to do that. In fact, it would be more cutting if you just went for it, right? Yeah. But instead, they like, I brought up Idiocracy earlier. Like, Idiocracy does that mm -hmm. because it was trying to be like, and I don't love Idiocracy. I think that it's gotten a, big, a bigger response in the last 10 years than maybe it ever earned. I don't think it's a good movie. Sorry, Mike Judge. I love your other stuff. Uh, but anyway. We'll see you on the side. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, but but it's like but it, it and so it lessens the blow a little bit because if everything's fake then there's no stakes there it's like it's like eh, like I get the thing you're making fun of but you've made it too broad every opportunity they've had to make an actual commentary about like oh the big tech company is involved in this and he's really greedy and he influences the government to do a thing 
um, that's not in, in the people's best interest because it makes him richer and the rich richer. Yeah, that's great. But why did you have to make him such a broad caricature? Why aren't you not being mm-hmm. more pointed about a specific person? If you have so many opportunities to make this better, and they don't. They whiff it. They just, like, they, they take the football away at the last second and be like, yeah, but hey, we're going to make fun of this fake company that's really, like, three different companies. We're going to make this guy kind of like an Elon Musk, but also a Steve Jobs. We don't want to offend right. anyone specific, so right. it's in the off chance we work with him in the future. It's too broad, and it doesn't feel like it actually has a point that it's trying to make beyond we're fucked. If the whole, that, that's your only point, why'd you make this movie? Especially a movie that Blessing is, why are we making all these frivolous things instead of uh, paying attention to what matters? You've made a frivolous thing that knows it's frivolous, that leans into the frivolity of being a movie, to, and that, that takes away from the whole point of your film. But finally, when ha- one thing happens, that like some sunlight parks through the clouds in Act 3. There's moments of humanity. There's a moment, light spoilers here, where the kind of family that is developed around your main characters, literal family in um, Leo DiCaprio's uh, case, because he goes back and basically mm-hmm. sees his, his wife and sons. But he brings with him uh, Jennifer Lawrence and a couple of the other characters that are involved in the story. And they just have, like, a nice family dinner with each other moments before the entire world ends. In that moment, you can see the script coming, like, close to something that would have made the movie a lot better. It's humanity. You see humanity. You see these characters being humans, taking the actual lesson of the film, what the lesson of the film should be, which is what does matter is having these human relationships with other humans Toss out all of the, the extra stuff that we pile in our lives. This is what matters. This is what we should be our focus on. We only have so much time on Earth. Let's enjoy what we have while we have it. But it doesn't... This lesson does, and this message and this whole theme and this moment does not happen until you've already dealt with so much bullshit. And so I'm just like wishing... Part of me is wishing, what if this was a continuous theme throughout the whole movie. If this was existent in Act 1 and 2, maybe by the time we got there, it would have felt like catharsis. Maybe by the time the movie was over, maybe we'd feel like we actually like these characters and we are happy for them to end this way. Not vehicles for stupid satire until finally Adam McKay decides, yeah, I guess this is what I was trying to say. And then the world ends. And then the movie's over. It's like, you had a movie. It's just buried under so many layers of... Anyway, that's Don't Look Up. <laughs> I don't recommend it, um, but it exists. It's a movie. <laughs> and it's somehow inexplicably nominated for Best Picture. <laughs> yeah. Uh, see, I took the idea of it like, a completely different way, where uh-huh. if you don't have the power to change everything and you can't get your voice heard to change everything... Best to enjoy the people around you. I don't think that's the lesson. It's not a lesson. No. It's not a lesson. That's not a good lesson, though. No, but it's not. It's... <laughs> I don't, but I don't. I also think that Adam McKay knows that, is yeah. what I'm saying. I think he didn't mean it for that. I think what he meant to be is, you try, because there's, there's dialogue in that dinner scene that kind of right. suggests this, is that you try as hard as you can, because the trying is what matters. Is that you want to make sure that if you do believe in something, that you can try to make a difference. But if it doesn't happen, if people, if you can't break through the stupidity of humankind through your own sheer will, then 
well, at least you have love. That, I think, is what he's trying to go to. It's just, yeah, it's... But that's the problem with this movie, right? Is that you, it's... Throughout the entirety of it, it's unclear how cynical it wants to be. Mm-hmm. It can... It has moments of pure cynicism, especially in Act 2. But, like, it wants yeah. you to believe... Especially after the rock. Right. It wants you to believe that once you've dug out of that cynicism, that there's some silver lining at the end. But then the but rug so gets... so far dug into it, though. Yeah, it doesn't... It's too late, is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's too late to have any feeling of actual human emotion. I just... I'm just so frustrated with this movie. It's just... It's so... It's such a miss. It's such a big miss on something that should have been a home run. This movie, on paper, should be great. But the script is not good. <laughs> I don't know. So that's that's don't go. Alright, so, you want to talk about something better? Okay, so, right after that, so, was the power of the dog. After you were all worked up yes. from Don't Look Up. I got a nice, hearty meal in the form of the power of the dog. Now, you talked about this movie already on the podcast. Do you want to briefly recap about how you felt about this movie? I didn't quite like it. Yeah. I didn't quite enjoy it. It reminded me a lot of Call Me By Your Name, where mm-hmm. it was very similar premise, but also very long drawn out and set in a western background. This kind of <laughs> fake Mount Montana western background. Sure, yeah. It was okay. The acting was pretty good, but I thought the overall story was kind of just there, and I didn't really get the ending until like I had to like watch it a couple more times. <laughs> like that's like the yeah. like last act. To, like realize, wait. What happened? How did that happen? Yeah. What did I do here? So, I loved this thing. Okay. I did not have any of the problems you had with it. I loved every second of this. I agree with you. The acting is the highlight here. I wasn't on Team Benedict Cumberbatch until after I found, uh, watched this. Now I'm like, oh boy, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about Jesse Plemons because he's barely in it. Yes. Like, the moments he is, he's very good, but I think this is Benedict Cumberbatch's movie, absolutely. Is he, his acting is ass off throughout this entire thing, and he's amazing in it. Um, no, I, I loved this thing. I think you're right. It is slower paced, but it's purposefully paced. It's very deliberate, because it's based on a novel, of course, and it feels like a novel. It's even divided into chapters like a novel. Mm-hmm. But, and I think it's supposed to be that kind of slow burn where you're really feeling the, the in the moment with these characters as opposed to thing, 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 thing. It's so the stylistic opposite of something like Don't Look Up. It's not trying to dump a bunch of things on you. In fact, the plot, per se, is very, like, bare bones. It doesn't need to be, have a whole lot of story because the actual story is so much in the characters interacting with each other. That is the story it's telling. It really goes deep into... It's a psychological story about the, the characters, about Benedict Cumberbatch and Jesse Plemons and Cody Smith-McPhee and, like, and Kirsten Dunst here. All, like, they're, they're simmering both their love for each other and also their hate for each other and how sometimes that, it, that morphs and changes. And it's also, it's also a story about sexuality and, like, what it must have been back in that time to repress these feelings and to hide these feelings and then to have a moment where you actually start interacting with somebody who reminds you of yourself. But there's baggage with that relationship and having to navigate around that baggage. 
I thought it was fascinating. I thought every second of this thing, well, one, it's beautifully shot and directed. Mm-hmm. I think that it's an absolute shame if Jane Campion does not get her directing award here. I think also look this look out for this in cinematography. Because just, yes, I realize it's not Montana, it's New Zealand, but man, it's convincing. <laughs> it's super convincing. It's just beautifully shot. It One thing it does really well is it really lingers on performances. It wants you to watch every tick of everyone's face as they react to uh, something happening on screen. They wait. There's one specific scene early on where Jesse Plemons hears... Kirsten Dunst's character uh, crying through the back of the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And he, you're just watching him as he's debating back and forth in his mind if he's going to go leave and catch up with his brother or whether he's going to go comfort her in the back. He just kind of does this like, like, oh, shit, and he finally gets up and he does it because he's a good guy. And, and like, just the little tiny movements that you just wait and watch pay off so much. And it just adds to this really cool vibe. It's very, like I said, this deliberately paced, very like psychological vibe to it. And then it also does that in like really anxious moments too. Like in like the way, and oh yeah, I didn't, didn't even talk about the other thing, which I think is absolutely Locke will win, Johnny Greenwood's score. I rarely think about scores in movies, but this one stuck out. The way it's like this dis- the discordant strings when it when it, when you're in a moment of real like tension for the characters really just ratchets everything up like tenfold like on paper it doesn't feel like that that moment would be that dramatic unless you were that person but one of the things the score does is it boosts that up so you're feeling that anxiety that that person is feeling you feel when Kirsten Dunst is just act does not want to play the piano and then fails at playing in the way she wants to and then everybody all the guests the party guests leave and she's just left at the piano the score just kicks in and just really like makes you feel how bad she feels in that moment when she's just been basically like just told like the one thing that her husband believes she can do well she can't even do for guests her life just falls apart in that moment and that sets her off on her on her uh, journey into alcoholism through the rest of the story, it's just it's brutal. That moment is just brutal. There's so many amazing moments like that, and so many great performances in this thing. And then, yeah, I didn't I didn't have the problem with the ending either. Okay, so yeah, my problem. Yeah. reminder, my problem with the ending was yes. that it all seemed very circumstantial. That a yeah. lot of stuff had to happen in order for <laughs> the ending to happen. I mean, it did, yeah. but it. But, but I also got the feeling it was going to happen no matter what. And I think that's part of the thing that the story is setting up. From the jump, something is off with all of these relationships, right? Mm-hmm. From the very first scene, you can tell, yes, Benedict Cumberbatch's character loves Jeffy, Je- Jesse Flemons as a brother. They have a tight relationship, but things have gotten strained as they've gotten older. It seems just that their personalities are starting to clash more than ever. And they've just got to deal with being different people who look up to different idols and like have different ideas about how they want to pursue their lives. Which, of course, gets ratcheted up when he decides to uh, get married to Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst, you see really early on, she's has really, like, she loves her son, but there's tension there about what happened in the circumstances of her ex-husband's death. And what 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 put her in the situation, you know? So you know from the jump that that's not that character's not going to end up well either. 
So you know the Jenga tower is already wobbling. You already know everything's going to fall over. So what, the way I saw the ending was, yes, all, all these things had to be set up in a specific way for this to happen in the specific way that it did. But it was inevitable. The fates were always going to bring these people to this, this moment. Because the way that the West, the cruelty of the West in the 1930s was always going to mean that a man like Benedict Cumberbatch was going to die. You can't live. Because that, the world was telling him. That's, what, that's the symbolic, the symbolic um, uh, meaning of the, the name of the movie, The Power of the Dog. That's where that name comes from, is that, 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 that Bible verse that the, the, the Cody Smith-McPhee character reads at the end. What that means is, is like as you're preparing preparing somebody to die, it's supposed to be like, I your death is removing your soul from the terror of life. It's basically giving you final freedom from the dogs, from the power of the dogs that that are constantly at your feet, like at, at your neck, like trying to bring you down in your living life. And so, it was always inevitable that a man with quote, sin, unquote, in the way that Benedict Cumberbatch lived his life, was always fated to be succumbed to those dogs and only be free after his death. So it all kind of, like, it all kind of makes some sort of cosmic sense. And it's just about the cruelty and oppressiveness of life when you're living and trying to find those, like, little silver linings in the, again, kind of like what Don't Look Up should have been about, about the relationships that you have while you're there. The relationship that almost happened, this father-son kind of dynamic that almost happened between Benedict Cumberbatch and Cody Smith-McPhee character. Almost, but was taken away because of the cruelness of life. Anyway, I think it's a good movie. <laughs> I've talked way too much about both of these movies, but I've been thinking about them a lot lately. Well, you went 10 over, so... Yeah, so... I gave you 10, you took 20. But yeah, it's my pick for best picture. I think, okay. it, I think it's a shoe-in. Um... Yeah, they couldn't be any more different movies, and I couldn't have liked like one way more. Like, like I couldn't. Have, they exist on two spec ends of of some spectrum for me. All right, my pick's still Dune, but we'll yeah. see where we go. Yeah, I mean, Dune's gonna be the populist pick here. I think it's also the one that could potentially give uh, cinematography. Yep. Uh, a run here. Um, yeah, that's my catch up. So I'll continue trying to watch the rest of these. Yep. And you can continue watching more episodes of the Medieval Podcast. You can. It's true. All right. Yep. Well, thank you for watching and listening. We'll be back next week with all feedback after the Super Bowl uh, with all sorts of other news about television and movies. Whatever happens in the worlds of all those things, we will have all sorts of things to tell you about next week. So stay tuned and see you next time. Yep. If you want to listen to us, you can find us in your podcasting feeds, your RSS feeds. We're everywhere. Yep. Um, Spotify, yep. uh, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. You can see our live shows. We're on YouTube. Search YouTube for Media Vote Podcast. And if you want to email us questions, comments, any feedback about the show, please email us at mediavotepodcast at gmail.com. All right. We will be back next week for more episodes. Well, we'll be back with the Super Bowl winner. Yes. And more thoughts and more news to come. All right. so, see you next week.